0: Welcome to the Sherdog Radio Network preview for UFC 298, Volkanovsky versus Taporia. I'm your host, Ben Duffy of Sherdog.com. With me, as usual, is Keith Schillen, the executive producer of the Sherdog Radio Network. Keith, how you doing today?
1: Doing good, man. How you doing?
0: I'm doing really well. I appreciate you taking some time out of your Super Bowl Sunday to chat with me about yeah. these here fights. Dude, and- how, how was that game, man? That thing was crazy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> how was that thing <laughs> uh i mean as you pointed out when we were planning this if it had been almost any other card than something like this we probably just would have pushed the whole preview back a day but i figure we owe it to ourselves to this card and to uh our our teaming millions of, of listeners to get this one out first thing monday morning as they expect because uh i'm gonna jump right in and say that for a one-title fight UFC pay-per-view, I think this thing is pretty freaking loaded. Yeah. And it's only a one-title fight pay-per-view almost because of the UFC's own folly. I mean, let me ask you this. If there is an uncontroversial winner on Saturday, is the winner of the Marab versus Cejudo fight the best 135-pounder on the planet?
1: Um. Okay, so, so let's answer that. Into it. So first of all, the reason why we made like a quick joke about the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is going on the time we normally tape, like the end of it, and we're both football fans. So what we did, we decided to do is uh, we're we're taping a few of the prelims to kind of because I I can't be recording this till like two a.m. So we we recording the like like about four prelims early before the game. And I'm going to do the rest after the game. So that's why I made the joke. I was like, well, how was that game? Like it hasn't <laughs> happened yet. So um, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, great game. Like who knows? Maybe it's a blow. Um, Is the winner of Marab Cejudo the best? If Sehudo wins, I don't think there's an argument because, you know, he lost to Sterling. Sterling lost to O'Malley. I mean, I, I know that's not the fairest way to, to do it, but, if Murab wins and how he wins, if he puts on a show like he has, like the to, to on they like, yeah, yeah, like, a- absolutely, he might be now again, you know, the champion, the title, and all that, you know, he's going to be number yeah. one in the rankings, yeah. But a Murab O'Malley fight, he, he, and if he puts on a clinic on Cejudo, I mean, he's going to be a massive favorite,
0: yeah, and. There's a good chance that the second best weight on the planet is Patchy Max. Like, so could be. No, no, that's a good point. Yeah. Could be. If like if could be number one.
1: <laughs> he could be number one. But yeah. yeah.
0: If uh, if O'Malley slipped on a banana peel two weeks ago and broke his ankle, and this was for a weight interim title we'd have a two title fight pay-per-view and it'd be probably one of the more loaded cards we'd see this year. I mean, everyone on the main card is ranked. Some of the people on the undercard are ranked. This is the opposite of what we were talking about last week at UFC Vegas 86, where the only rankings discussion we had at all was, should we let Jack Hermanson back in after kind of stopping the Joe Piper express here? It's going to be a lengthy rankings discussion after this one uh, as everything shakes out
1: Uh, if, if O'Malley slips and, and breaks his ankle, uh, Audrey Sikmata will still try to wrestle him. <laughs> Rhode Island's own.
0: Man, isn't Moutinho from Rhode Island too? No, he's from Massachusetts. Oh, okay, okay. So uh, it, it's not quite like uh, we have O'Malley we have, has
1: uh, a... I think from Rhode Island, the only guys who ever fought in the UFC, I think is Sikmata, Eric Spicely. I'm trying to think if we have anybody else. Those are the two off the top of my head. There might be somebody else, but those—I I mean, if you want to count Greg Rabello, like contender series and stuff like that.
0: No, D- didn't nah. he get knocked out by Josh Parisian spinning back fist with like <laughs> the other hand holding his own pants up? Like, no, that yeah. doesn't count. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, uh, uh, King, what was like King King Koopa? whatever what was his name? And Mike Tyson punch out the guy when you hit King him. Hippo? You hit. King Hippo. King Hippo, that's it. King, King. Hippo.
0: <laughs> oh, to be a heavyweight on the contender series, <sighs> poor guys. Um. Almost difficult to ask, but outside of the super obvious ones like Volkanovsky, Taporia, Whitaker Costa, and Marab Sahuto, what are you most excited to see on this one?
1: Yeah. And and just, I want to address something in case this is your first time ever watching this show. Um, my eyes, I have like, like an infection. So that's, I don't, I'm not wearing makeup or anything. So uh, I'm sorry, what was your question you asked me?
0: Outside of the three real obvious ones, the main event, Whitaker Costa, and Marab Sahuto, what, what are you most excited to see on this card?
1: Oh, it's got to be um, Ian Gary and 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 Jeff Neal. I mean, that's a fantastic fight. I mean, I I, yeah. I think I I would put that in the top three. Over uh, I would I put that over Whitaker and Costa. um I I think the card as a whole is a really good card. I I would I would I would give it a B. When I think about a pay per view, I want a dynamic main event. That's like number one. It has. It. I mean, to me, cool. Volkanovski Taporia is. I was thinking about this today. Is there any more intriguing matchup in MMA X's and O's Y's right now than you know you're taking not not crossing divisions, but you stay in a division right now between a champion and a top contender?
0: I like how you put that because I was going to come out and say this might be the best fight, title fight you can make in MMA right now. That's not a cross divisional or cross promotional super fight. It's yeah. unbelievable. Just then- the fact that Alexander Volkanovski might be the best pound-for-pound pound fighter on the planet right now.
1: Well, I mean, like no, is, yeah.
0: But, again,
1: the, the difference in size the difference between the two. Guys, he took the yeah. fight on the days, yeah, what was it, like yeah. oh, two weeks notice. Uh Yeah, like, he, he's as talented as, as anybody that we could say. And,
0: and considering that, he's a dead pick him.
1: Like, he's spoiler, a, like I, know just,
0: I, I know where I normally quiz you about the odds, yeah. but this one's a pick him right now.
1: I mean, he's... And that's surprising because I think mean, he's the consensus greatest featherweight champion of all time. Um, only only according to people that don't know what the word consensus means. Yeah. Um when you when you kind of fill up the rest of what I want in a pay-per-view, this checks a lot of the boxes. Like I want a a matchup where a guy is one or two wins and they're in the title shot. So that's what they have, you know, specifically with Britaker, uh obviously Mirab and Cejudo. Kind of kind of check both those. Uh, I want personalities. Things getting people that interest me during Fight Week. Deporta had a huge personality. You know, yep. he's trying to be like a, the Georgian Conor Greger, the way he's talking. You have, I mean, Ian Machado Gary's got personality. But Paul Costa has personality. Uh, and then, so that's kind of why I, I really like it. So some of the things that's missing, why I don't give it an A, I would like. I would have liked a, a second, lesser title fight you know, the one where you toss in the female fight or you toss in a fly. Like, like if you put, if you put um, like al challenging for the for the flyweight title. Sure. Okay. I, I might sure. be giving this, I might be giving this an A. Uh, if you, so that's one. And the other thing that it's missing to me on the, in, in specifically on the prelims, I want that like blue chip prospect that, you know, maybe getting their first test and we don't have that. So that's kind of like why I keep it from an A, but like I'm, I'm, I'm bummed for this card.
0: Yeah, it's it
1: amazing, crazy, crazy
0: good. I, I'd give it a, you know, a, a B, maybe a B plus. Uh, cause on top of everything else, it's a 12 fight card. So there's not a whole lot of fat to trim off. Like I'd probably give it a lower grade if they just stuck three more random fights on it, which the UFC is never above doing. Uh, yeah, it should be pretty lean and mean. And even on the prelims, I, you know, I there are some people I'm mildly excited to see. I agree with you that there's no, there's no uber prospect there. There's no, Bow Nickel. There's no Ian Gary two years ago. But, you know, for, for what it is, it's pretty solid. Um, And any other general thoughts on this one before yeah. we jump into those prelims?
1: I got a question about the main event. So you just said, and this would probably be more to the betters, you know, the big gamblers. You just said that this is ultimately a pick and fight between Volkanovski and, and Taporia. What do you think the line would have been if Volkanovski didn't take that short-notice fight against Makachev and he was just coming off you know, a spectacular victory, or that I mean, that really close uh, loss to to Makachev, and then wrecking Yair. Yeah, wrecking Yair. Yeah, he'd, he'd have to be the favorite. Like
0: he'd be the favorite. I I still think it would be inside of two to one. Like we might see really? Volkanovski minus one seventy or something.
1: I, see, I think would have been bigger than that. Maybe. I mean, I mean, the probably looks so good against Josh Emmett. Like, I mean, he looked incredibly good, and and he's. You know, I'm not gonna say his toughest challenge to Volkanovski because I mean, freaking Max Holloway. I mean, I know Volkanovski clearly won two of them pretty easily, but even the third fight, I wasn't like, "Oh my god, this is an easy fight for you no. know Volkanovski." Yeah, the, 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 yeah, entry, Because I mean, there's a lot of guys in that division that that is murderers row. So I just I think the buzz that. Bokanevsky got in a loss to Makachev and then following it up with incredible showing against Yair. I think it would, I think it would have been like negative 250. Maybe I mean, maybe and like.
0: you might be right. It's hard for me to think back to how sure. differently we thought about him and Makachev yeah. ahead of the second fight.
1: Now we're having him, you know, it's his age, his his you know, he's talking about you know mental struggles and it, it one fight has completely changed the narrative on that guy. And it will
0: either prove to be prophetic or way premature depending on what we see on
1: Saturday. Do you remember years ago when we were the beginning of the end for Max Holloway, when he was like, Oh my God, yeah, that terrible cut," And he was like fumbling and like, what the hell is he talking about? Like, yeah. And it was,
0: he he got yanked from, from a, a card in 2019. And that was after trying to, step in at UFC 227 like the dolly throwing one and being unable to even make 155 on short notice yeah I yeah I, I assumed we were headed downhill from there and
1: yeah he was punch drunk and the weight cuts killing him and all this and and think about the amount of performances he has put on since yeah yeah so
0: I all right, now I just want to skip can we let's let's do this card and then just skip to the next time Max Holloway fights and preview <laughs> that one we'll take a vacation in between <laughs> First up at UFC 298 is a women's flyweight matchup between Andrea Lee and Miranda Maverick. Lee, the 35 year old Texan by way of Louisiana, is 13 and eight overall. She's five and six in the UFC, and she is mired, mired, I say, in a three fight losing streak. Uh, she has dropped back to back to back decisions to Viviane Araujo, Macy Barber, and Natalia Silva. In her defense, all three of those women are at least top 15-ish talents, you know, in the case of Araujo and Silva, top 10-ish talents. But there you have it. Nonetheless, she's lost three in a row. She's lost six of her last eight. Uh, Her back is probably up against the wall here against Maverick. Uh, Maverick, 26-year-old, I believe, Virginian fighting out of Missouri, or I might have that backwards. She is 12-5 and overall. She's 5-3 and in the UFC. She is coming into this one off a win. She fought most recently last July at UFC 291 arm-barring Priscilla Cachoeira in the third round. Prior to that, she had dropped a unanimous decision to uh, Jasmine Yazdavisius just like six weeks before that at UFC 289. Odds here favor Maverick pretty heavily. She is minus 200, Lee plus
1: 170. It,
0: uh. Yeah, I, I, I was a little surprised by how wide the line was, but then I kind of looked at, at, at what Lee has turned into, and I, I can I can see why this fight, why the line is what it is, and while you know neither you or I are much of a better, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of with it here. Maverick, she's still young; she's just 26 years old. I, I mean, she's still in that same fleet
1: of <laughs> 20 something crazy. flyweights. So I it it really is, because it seems like she should should be like 29 or something. But yeah, sorry. Yeah, it com- no, it completely does. Uh,
0: but having said that, she's clearly taken a step back from the, well, to name two people that she's actually lost to, the Barbers and Blanchfields of that set, to say nothing of Manon Fior or Natalia Silva. Uh, she kind of is what she is. Uh, I mean, she calls herself a Muay Thai striker. She pre- presents as a Muay Thai striker. She's short and compact. I mean, she is a ball of muscle, yeah. uh, very, very athletic, but for someone who, again, fancy herself, a Muay Thai striker, the fact that she has one knockout as a pro and seven submissions kind of tells the story. She's a good wrestler and grappler. One, cause she's just a very good athlete Two, Cause she's worked at it. And I think, the style she has to adopt where she kind of hangs out at the outside of range and then tries to bounce into range, get her offense off uh, and and get back out also creates a lot of collisions where she's able to get takedowns from just kind of body locks, trips, other women trying to headlock throw or just crap like that. And I think that's kind of built for success against Lee. Lee's going to be way taller with way better range. And Lee's another one with kind of a deceptive game. She fancies herself a a kickboxer actually a slightly karate flavored one at that but she's not super fast she's not uh super defensively sound as a striker she honestly is probably better on the ground as well but here i just think maverick's advantages in speed and strength are going to make it so that there's no real safe place for lee to hang out if lee tries to have an outside kind of Medium volume, low power kickboxing match. I think Maverick's going to be able to get in and kind of tag her with kicks and hit her uh, with punches at will. I think the fight probably will go to the ground at some point, and I think Maverick will be able to exploit Lee pretty badly there. Um, wouldn't be surprised by a finish, especially late. You know, on top of everything else, Lee is you know 35 and has been doing this at, at this level for quite a long time. She's got some tread off the tires, but considering some of the fighters that are frankly better than Maverick that haven't been able to finish her, I'm calling this one probably a decision uh, Maverick to win at least two rounds out of three, actually probably all three. And we get a surprising amount of groundwork where Maverick just takes lead down because it's right there for her to do and does enough work to, to keep top position win rounds, chip away with offense from the top.
1: <laughs> Every time we, we preview, Andrew Lee, I always think about when uh, I don't know, we were having a conversation about Texas, and you just said, like, even, even though she's not from Texas, you just said, like, oh, yeah, this entire city. And we're talking about Fort Worth. Well, no, this...
0: she's she born in Texas, lives in Louisiana. So, oh, okay,
1: that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Like, we, we, just... we claim her when she's not dating idiots. So, yeah. yeah like, like this is just a Fort Worth is just a whole town of Andrew Lee's. And then, yeah, I, I went, oh. I visited my uncle a couple of years ago. I went to Fort Worth, went to the rodeo. And it was the oh. entire read of Andrew Lee. You
0: went to like the the Tarrant County Rodeo or whichever one you went to. Yeah, Andrew Lee is the state flower of Texas, basically.
1: Yeah, I don't know if there's many. There was where the stockyards are. It was like it was yeah. really a touristy spot. Yeah, and I, and I, I just remember saying the same thing, like to my uncle. Like, man, I wish if I came here when I was twenty, I never, I wouldn't have left. I would have like stayed at the rodeo. I'd be like freaking scooping like bull shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was like, man, God, I I know what they say. God loves Texas. Um this fight, I mean, Andrew Lee, yeah, I feel like there's certain fighters that we just know what they are at this point. They nothing changes in their game. You know, she's kind of one, she's a volume striker on the feet. She likes to work from distance, throw straight punches down the pipe. She wants to keep her distance because she hates pressure. I mean, I always go back to like the Macy Barber fight where Macy Barber just Kept sw- swarming over pressure, not much power. You know, she's a bit of a point fighter. I always point that like one outlier where she dropped, you know, dropped Viviana Rocho, but generally that's not her game. Uh, she her best punch is is a jab, where uh, her probably the best example of that was a Cynthia Calvillo fight where she's jabbing her up. Uh, but striking, she's really a big kick game, like that's what she wants, deep kicks, body kicks. And you mentioned it, she's a good offensive wrestler. I mean, she's got takedowns seven of her 11 UFC fights pretty good at scrambling. The problem is, and, and I know I say this a lot, she's someone who's learned takedowns but has not learned takedown defense. She is a very weak de- defensive wrestler. She's been taken down 22 times so far in the UFC. She she needs to improve her top control when she's on top. And if she's on bottle, she really struggles to get back to her feet, uh, especially if someone is, is, is a decent grappler. Miranda Maverick, I, I really have no clue about her. I, I mean, when she first arrived, she was so young and so promising coming in, like in Victor and stuff. She she re- she was in that category we were talking about, you know, the kind of what we do with the welterweights. We were doing it with, with women's MMA, with Blanchfield and Barber, like you mentioned. And I thought she was going to be one of the best to come in the UFC.
0: Oh, I, I rated her above Barber right up until Barber beat her.
1: And, and fairness to the the Barber fight, a lot of people thought she won. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, she got smoked by Blanfield. uh She got beat, smoked by uh, Jasmine Jacevicius. So, she looked really bad in a few fights. But then she also had some fights where she looked brilliant. So, between the girl we, we first came in and Victor and, and, and then those poor showings, I think she's probably, obviously, it's pretty easy to say she's somewhere in between. This is going to be a really telling fight. Uh, what she does, she's a southpaw, very karate-style kick you know, kick, uh, kickboxing game. Uh, she's a good athlete. She moves well, sticks and moves. The one thing, uh, she tries to land. I mean, she likes trying to land a counter and she does pretty well. Uh, she's got pretty good volume. Uh, she attacks with combos, but she can load up a little bit too much. It kind of slows down her speed and she can be a little predictable. Uh, defensively, she keeps her chin a little too high in the air because of that karate bladed stance she loves that holly holmes sidekick which i think is always a really good uh tool so to me i think it's one of the most underrated striking um i don't know what those tools uh what's, what's the word not tool um i don't, I don't well, know what it is. after last week we now call that the martin pracneo yeah the martin pracneo uh she <laughs> will throw some naked leg kicks in counter to that uh she's very you mentioned it she's very strong. like She's she's racking up the visits on uh, Planet fitness. I mean, she's she's got to have like the platinum membership or something. I mean, she's 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 ripped. She gets inside the clean. She likes to grind in there. Uh, I go back to like the Luana Joshua, where she just like elbowed her face off. She will wrestle. She's pretty good offensively. She has some good entries, good top game. She she looks for like the Dagestani handcuff. Uh, If she's on top, she kind of stresses position over damage um, and submission. The one issue with her entries is, is she's kind of a blast right through you, and she doesn't really chain them together. She doesn't, you know, you're not that to cut in the corner or, or, or misdirections or something like that. Um, she beat a good grappler, Jillian Robinson, so that's what kind of was like, oh yeah, that's a pretty good win. But then, I mean, Aaron Blanchfield, I mean, Aaron Blanchfield is another level, especially on the ground. And Jasmine though I think, is very underrated. Really beat her up on the ground. Uh, Jess is specifically exposed to her takedown defense when it comes to wrestling, Lee and, and Maverick are very similar in that sense, where they're good offensive wrestlers, weak defensive wrestlers. She does have seven submission wins in her career, so I like that. Uh, she got a sub in her last fight, uh, though she will chase a position, you know, I lose a position to, to chase a, a submission. Uh, and, and I mentioned she struggles back up. She gassed out a little bit against Macy Barber in their fight, but I think, kind of think that was a little bit of an outlier because she showed solid cardio overall I'm I'm on the fence with Maverick and I really feel like this fight will tell us exactly who she is if she loses to Lee she isn't she isn't that thinking. No. if she beats Lee I'd say she's pretty good I mean I, like you know Lee's on a three-fight losing streak but she lost at three good fighters yeah so Lee's kicks and in, in her offensive wrestling could be a problem but I'm still gonna go with the 26 year old the one who's at the age where they can make a big jump improvement I say she lands in the harder shots, but, you know, I say, she, again, I think she might get a takedown on her to herself. Give me Maverick by decision.
0: Next up on the UFC 298 undercard is a welterweight matchup between the debuting Oban Elliott and Valentine Woodburn. Elliot, the 26-year-old Welshman, is nine and two overall. This will be his UFC debut. As I mentioned, he fought on the Contender Series back in August, taking a majority decision win over Kike Brito. Prior to that, he'd been a standout, though not quite yet a title contender in Cage Warriors, where he'd been on, I think, a four or five fight winning streak. So uh, he carries a five-fight overall winning streak into the octagon against Woodburn, who will have his second chance at a first octagon win himself. 30-year-old Floridian is 7-1 and one overall. That's the good news. The bad news is that the one loss came in his UFC debut. He had the unenviable task. Uh, he got the call-up on short notice last July to fight at UFC 290 against Bo Nickel. It's always hard to say this definitively because books vary so widely, but you can make a good case that Woodburn was the biggest underdog in UFC history, and he looked like it as it took Nickel only 38 yeah seconds to get him
1: out of there would modern now... modern modern UFC history modern UFC not, history not yes. day when you had like not the day when you had like NCAA champions taking on like taxi drivers but yeah <laughs>
0: But it, but it was close. Like, yeah, Nichols, like, Nick, like, minus 1,800 on some...
1: No, but I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, he might not drive a taxi because they don't really exist anymore, but he, he might be driving Uber or Lyft in or Uber. Something. <laughs> Well, here it is. I mean, Woodburn, at the very least,
0: is going to be back down at his preferred weight class of 170 and against a good prospect that is definitely not Bo Nickel. Nonetheless, he is a sizable underdog again. Elliot comes in minus 280. Val Woodburn, plus 225. I I spent some quality time watching Oban Elliott fights uh, recently. One, because our own Sean Sheehan, well, Sean has interviewed him more than once, uh, but, you know, has featured him a few times. And so um, I I spent some time watching his fights in Cage Warriors, as well as re-watching his fight on the Contender Series. The good thing about Elliott is that he's a big welterweight. I mean, he's not... Randy Brown, but he's one of those guys that the tail of the tape doesn't exactly say it like 5'11", 170, but it's kind of like that Vicente Luque type build where he's got more of a wingspan than you think. And he's just kind of a big guy, good athlete, fast hands, good kicks. He's a decent offensive wrestler for a Brit. Uh, (laughs) uh, Generally speaking, he's well-rounded, has good offensive tools. I like that about him. Uh, What I don't like about him is his defensive lapses. I mean, he's 9-2, and so he's had a couple losses already. And both of his losses in Cage Warriors were by knockout. And one of them was the Mihal Figlak, who is in the UFC as well. He's not a bad fighter at all. But uh, both Figlak and then on the Contender Series, uh, Kaik Brito, both just crushed him with right hands because he has a terrible habit of just keeping his head on the center line and and dropping that hand. So, I, I mean, there's a little in Elliot that kind of reminds me of well, a guy that, sadly for me, we were just talking about last week in Trevin Giles, where uh, he's a good offensive fighter, he's a good athlete, he's a super tough guy, but his ceiling might be defined by his defensive liabilities. Um, that's what I see in Elliot. And considering that Woodburn's best weapon is just a big old overhand right, there's a possibility that you know a minute into this fight, the whole apple cart is, is upset, but I don't see it. Woodburn even at 170, he is a short, squat, compact guy. I mean, he is built very much like Joaquin Buckley, but he is not Joaquin Buckley from an actual athleticism standpoint nor from a standpoint of striking diversity. I mean, the terrifying thing about Joaquin Buckley is that he can kill you from 6 inches away or 3 feet away before you can do anything. Just he's, you know, so fast, so creative, so powerful. That isn't Woodburn. Like even on the regional scene, Woodburn has just been a guy who kind of wades in and in his, you know, to his credit, he's the shorter guy with the shorter reach and he looks for reasonable chances to close distance like he's good at catching kicks from guys trying to keep him at bay and coming in behind that and swinging. But for a guy that is just built like a tank, he doesn't have as much power as you think, like he has good power, but not Joaquin Buckley power. He's not as good a wrestler as you think. Like, he tries for takedowns, but he's not great at finishing them, uh, even though he's powerful and has has a low center of gravity. I don't think Woodburn is long for the UFC. He's a guy that had been scheduled to appear on the Contender Series last season until he got the call-up to fight Nickel. I don't know if he would have gotten past whoever they matched him up with. But here, even if I'm not over the moon about... Elliot as a prospect, I think at the very least, he's probably going to settle in as a guy who's a whole lot of fun to watch and maybe wins two, loses one, wins one, loses one. And again, settles into that Nico Price, Alex Morono type category where picks up some bonuses, has a whole lot of fun sure. fights, but loses fights at an inopportune time just too often to climb up the ladder at 170. Here, give me Elliott by, I'm going to say he gets it done, by second round TKO. I think he's going to be able to handle Woodburn in the first round. Uh, I think he can probably take Woodburn down if he wants, and he's good at kind of mixing in takedowns. And I think Woodburn's going to get tired faster too. Uh, Elliot is super tough and has shown good cardio ability to keep a good pace. Give me Elliot to wear down Woodburn, pile up damage, get a second round TKO.
1: Yeah, this is um... – yeah, this fight, <laughs> this fight. Um, it, I, I always like I yeah, find creative ways to say Bo Nickel. This is obviously the easiest one. This this card, uh, as you know, Woodburn was the sacrificial lamb to, to Bo Nickel. Uh, I've watched like three, uh, Val Woodburn fights to kind of get notes on him, and I think I would go like eight minutes of fight time without like writing a note (laughs) because (laughs) i mean obviously he's a short stocky guy even at welterweight he's gonna be short and stocky Mm -hmm. uh he 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 does change stances but he's not fluid (laughs) you know um he he more changed stances like he's he's someone who's like trying to discover which one works for him (laughs) you know um
0: well, it, it's almost like watching like Frankenstein walk and be like, hey, he's changing stances, you know, just like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <It's> like
1: <laughs> uh, he he'll sit back, be very patient, sit back. I mean, he tried doing a bow nickel um, and he was sit back, sit back, sit back and then kind of burst in with shots. Uh, that's what I think he was planning on doing. But he just kind of like wait and wait and then he just fl- flurries and he throws big wing shots very wild, lows up on everything. Now, if he connects, he has power definitely does but the guys he was knocking out were i mean terrible fighters like oh, not it, good
0: it was in tight no it was in a uh, combat night which is probably florida's like third best promotion yeah in, it's in, low, best low level
1: in, in, in orlando yeah <laughs> like that there, there might be there might be better like fights if you if you you know you stand in the wrong spot during the parade in in disney you know oh yeah um, i mean the the the, I mean, the best promotion in, in South
0: Florida is like saying something bad about Jorge Masvidal's family and going to a restaurant, you know, like.
1: Yeah. like <laughs> there you go. That's the best way to see, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, he does have, I mean, just look at the guy. The guy's, you know, obviously, I would want to get hit by him. So that's, yep. uh, He he likes to battle in the clinch and just kind of grind. He will go for a takedown, but he's not a wrestler. He kind of just reaches down and make it like a lazy man single. He gets, like, gets a bum. Mm-hmm doesn't have a single submission on his entire professional record. And then you know, did did was Bo just way better than him? I think yes, but you know it you take a fight on short notice, you get a little bit obviously you, you take a fight against a top prospect in the UFC on I mean, days notice we didn't even get to preview the fight we were previewing Bo versus Trayshon Gore. So taking it extremely short you get a little bit of a pass. Well but that's well, still well, be no, a- I,
0: I, I did make a prediction and it turned out to be wrong. I was like, "Well, they're gonna have to change his name to Valentine Matt Byrne afterwards." Oh, but then yeah. Bo probably heard me and said, nah, "I'm gonna knock this dude
1: out now." <laughs> so, so the guy, like the, you know, it makes you wonder. Like, okay, I'll make it. I'm undefeated. You have this crazy confidence, and then you go in the UFC and you last 30 seconds, don't land a single punch, and 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 get absolutely murked. You know, you obviously have to worry about his chin, but also worry about the psyche. Does he? Does is he going? Oh no! This was short notice against Bo Nickel, who could be a future champion, or was this him going? Oh wow! This is the UFC. Any sense? Oh,
0: like Don Don Shane is like audibly saying, "Dude, I don't belong here." I don't like belong after here. his last loss, in, yeah, after his last <laughs> yeah. loss, in U, which which broke my heart. But yeah, 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 absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, Oban Elliot is he, <laughs> lack of confidence ain't going to be the problem with him. Um, nope. They call him like the well. The, the, oh, I know he's, he's born in Britain, but trains in. And Wales, Wales. Yeah,
0: yeah, he calls himself the Welsh gangster, and it's you know uh, a tribute to Chael Sonnen. Yeah, which, yeah. that tells yeah, you right I'm, there that he does not lack for confidence.
1: No, 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 the guy, the guy's fun. Um, what I've seen of him, he, he can fight out of both stances, throws straight shots down the pipe, good good combinations, hard body kicks, especially from the southpaw stance. Doesn't really set up kicks, so he's open to counters. Two really big defensive issues. One, he he, he like when he's avoiding shots, he either pulls his head straight back. Or he just backs up completely himself towards the cage. Uh, the other thing, and I, and I don't want to put this in major because so many fighters don't do, he doesn't really check leg kicks. That said, he's a solid wrestler. Like I like his wrestling. I want to give credit to um, that whole like Shore MMA, the Jack Shore team. There,
0: there you go. Very,
1: they're they're very heavy. Re- you know, for that area of the world, and, and you know, and, and I'm not trying to like knock. I mean, this, this Mark Casey Casey's a great you know british wrestler i mean leon edwards so it has really grown there but th- that's a team that really focuses on getting takedowns and winning rounds and winning. so i uh, i like his i like his entries he's quick entries though he sometimes he'll he'll shoot without a setup which would be an issue but uh when he gets to the hips very good at cutting the corner and and you know getting to you know behind you know behind his opponent uh, i' like i've seen some body lock takedowns from him. when he's on top very busy ground but he needs to control a little bit you know like control keep this opponent down and then land, but he'll get right to get into ground and pound. He did gas on the contender series, um, really slowed down, but showed incredible heart in, in a really fun fight in the contender series. He was beat up really bad in the second round. To one point, yeah. one of the judges gave us uh 10-8 round to his opponent. He looked finished like, oh man, this guy's done after having have a great first not that great but we won the first round. And then this dude dug super deep and won the third round. I I, I love that. So as far as prediction goes I'm all over Elliot here I mean I really just see Woodburn having a punch his chance or like maybe he closes the distance and grinds like a really boring affair but I don't even think Woodburn's a good regional scene fighter I I, I say Elliot closes like if he was in a better LFA you know something like that um I, I I don't think he'd be like a champion I see Elliot I agree with you when you said the wrestling I think he closes the distance I guess think he gets some takedowns I think Wimmer might work back to his feet a couple times due to just being so physically strong, but I think that'll slowly wear on him. I think he's constantly getting taken down. I think it gets too much. I think as Wimmer slows down, that might even give Elliot more chance to open up his hands and land some combos and stuff. I say Wimmer gases out and Elliot's all over him. I had second round ground and pound too. Uh, second round TKO by ground and pound. So give me, uh, I'll take. We'll be in agreement on that. All
0: right. Y- you know what? Them bringing in. Uh, Woodburn to fight Bo Nickel reminds me of this. is A little bit of an old school reference, but, oh, where, but he was where, yeah. Woodburn was technically undefeated, he had a zero in the L column, but just not nowhere near prepared for the type of person they're going to have him fight. Is when they brought in nine and zero Eddie Sanchez to be Crow Cop's oh. first opponent. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> I think I talk about when that cop they brought into the UFC, the one who beat Kimbo Slice, Sean Gannon, Sean Sean Gannon. Gannon yeah. I actually, I've actually been to the place where they fought each other. It's it's that, in Rhode Island. Like that, basements. That, that, that famous yeah. thing happened at Burke's MMA right here in Cranston, Rhode Island. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. I mean, it's actually the funny thing is it didn't happen in Burke's where Burke's gym is. It actually happened, I can't remember if it was a floor above or below.
0: It, it looked like, like below from the footage. It looked like maybe a basement below, or something. Below.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, actually, I want to some reason I want to say the one a floor up, but regardless, it doesn't matter. Um there's like a whole kickboxing it's more of a kickboxing gym than a, than an MMA gym. And a whole kickboxing gym. No, not in the K, not, not in the not in the ring for kickboxing. No, no, they go to the warehouse warehouse. No, like, the, the this is like this is like Jake Shields
0: and, and his and his dudes like jumping Mike Jackson ten feet away from the cage the at cage. the UFCPI. <laughs> in fantasy, Mike Jackson would get in that cage with Jake Shields. He, he wouldn't get in that cage, and yeah, I mean, his his mouth had written some checks. I can say that about my friend. Uh, <laughs> but. We stay in the welterweight division as Josh Quinlan takes on Danny Barlow. Quinlan, the 31 year old Las Vegas native, is six and one with one no contest overall. He's one and one since joining the UFC out of season five of Dana White's contender series. That actually is his no contest. He lamped. Logan urban in like 40 seconds on the contender series that was later overturned for PEDs. He was allowed to keep his invite to uh, the UFC anyway. And since then he has a first round knockout of Jason Witt. And then most recently a decision loss to Trey waters last April at UFC on ESPN song versus Simone. He will look to get back in the win column against Barlow uh, Barlow, 28 year old Tennessee native is seven and zero. Overall, this will be his debut. He fought on the Contender Series last September, knocking out Raheem Forrest in the first round. He had been scheduled to take on Yusako Kinoshita. Uh, Kinoshita withdrew with an injury in steps Quinlan. And uh, Barlow is a moderate favorite. He's minus 190, Quinlan plus 160. Keith, these are two Walter Waits obviously the the default answer is no if i ask you if either of these guys is a future top 10 guy but what yeah. kind of but what kind of upside do you see in either of them really i mean quinlan's over 30 but he feels younger just because yeah got like 10 fights and how do you see this fight going
1: yeah i can see them being like you know everything going right and being like lower end top 15 guys like i could see them being as good as neil magni or something like that mm-hmm. um Especially Barlow. like Barla definitely has more raw talent than than Quinlan. But Quinlan's a guy that you know, I mean, the, his last loss did, had you know not the best loss, but uh, overall pretty you know pretty. I, I think he was a good addition to the UFC. Like I think he was, deserved it. Uh, Quinlan, the guy that the guy switches stances a lot. He's constantly switching hands. All about footwork. Uh, a lot of L step. in. I say he's got pretty fast hands. Uh, likes to get on the outside and then kind of burst in the pocket, unload with big shots. Sometimes they're they're a little looping though. He has good power. Uh, He wants to move forward because he hates being forced on his back foot. He wants to be, um, you know, pressing the action, hard calf kicks. He wants to be one, um, you know, not a much offense wrestler, but he will sneak a a takedown. Uh, He's hard to take down himself. Like, you know, because he's a big guy for the division. So if you take him down, it's going to be hard to really hold him down. And, And, you know, he's got some submission skills. He's got two subs on his record. Barlow, you know, very, very good athlete. I mean, very fast. Southpaw, uh, he will switch stance. You know, even though Southpaw, he will switch to orthodox. Do I do it, like him better than Southpaw? Very fluid in his movement. Um, he's got a very long reach for the division, 79 inches. Uh, fast hands. I love his, his
0: nickname is Left Hand to God. And I think yeah. that just describes his reach. Like he can just kind of reach up and like high <laughs> five <having> God. Like,
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it's like this thing. What's that one with God's like reaching down to Adam and they're like touching each yeah, other? Yeah, the
0: like, ceiling he, of the Sistine Chapel. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just change that to like Danny Barlow's face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or just, or, or like Danny Byler's like sneaking, like puts his hand over Adams, like sneaks the handshake in instead. Um, show
0: show about to get interrupted by lightning.
1: All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting in my eyes falling off right now. I had, I had, uh, I had a, uh, uh, well, I had shingles on this show before and now I got like an eye infection. Like maybe I've already, I'm bringing the plagues on myself. He's Job. If, <laughs> like, yeah. If like Nat's stopped coming in the room, <laughs> like that's it. No more, <laughs> no more making fun of, 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 of the Lord.
0: J- 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 um, Keith's can of Sam's Cola is going to turn the blood. <laughs> like, oh
1: man! <laughs> uh, so, you know, like I said, he's got fast hands. I mean, I love his left hand. Like he he says left hand to God. I mean, his his straight left is. I mean, it's really a thing of beauty. Uh, he does hang his hands low, so they come from weird angles. Obviously, that always is issue defensively. Really good power. Uh, I love that he does like a flying knee to the sole plexus. He does it a lot. Like, it, it, he does a flying knee, but not, it's like a step in knee, but he goes airborne on it. Uh, he will mix in some takedowns. I haven't seen too much of like um, his overall grappling. He's more just kind of get some take, takedowns, control, hold. I like Barlow here. I mean, he's the better athlete. He has a seven inch reach advantage. Uh, he's faster. He's more powerful. Quitlin has never been knocked out, so I'm not going to pick that but I say Barlow hurts him on the feet several times and I say he runs away with this. Give me Barlow by decision.
0: Yeah, not much I can add to that. Uh, Both these guys, eh, I feel like are modest to, you know, slight upside prospects. I agree with you that of the two, Barlow has the greater upside, just being younger, better physical tools. Um, Yeah, he's just done some eye-popping things. And while Quinlan's fight with Trey Waters was weird, it did give us a chance to spend 15 minutes watching Quinlan deal with someone who was obviously taller than him and had a had a big reach advantage. And that was Waters who just isn't nearly the fighter Danny Barlow appears to be. I know we haven't seen Quinlan get knocked out before, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happens here, I, I could see this being a breakout performance for Danny Barlow. Like right now, he's cruising pretty quietly uh, under the radar. You know, it, it helps that he's seven and oh, he's not 17 and zero like some dude that just, you know, came over from Tajikistan or something. But uh, give me Barlow in a in a bit of a route where, yeah, probably wins all three rounds or at least wins the last two going away and Quinlan is pretty marked up by the end of it. Uh Yeah. Give me, give me Barlow in, in uh, a breakout performance here. We head now to the 205 pound division for a matchup between Min Yang Zhang and Branson Hibero. Zhang, the 25 year old from China, is 16 and six overall. He is one and 0 in the UFC and on a nine fight win streak overall. Uh, most of his recent action has taken place in Wu Feng, which is, for what it's worth, one of China's uh, better regional promotions. He made his UFC debut at the Road to UFC Singapore card back in June of 2022. He wasn't part of the actual tournament, obviously, that was for the lighter weight classes, but he had a showcase, knocked out George Tokos in the first round. He's been on the shelf ever since for a variety of reasons. He was supposed to fight uh, Tyson Pedro almost exactly a year ago, he withdrew, and then he and Hibeto were actually supposed to fight in December, but when they moved the card from China to the US, he had visa issues, and anyway, He's been on the shelf for over a year for a variety of reasons. He finally is going to get his second UFC fight here against Hibeiro. 27-year-old Brazilian is 15-5 and five with one no contest overall. He fought on the Contender Series in September, knocking out Bruno Lopez in the first round. He's on a three-fight win streak overall in a, a bunch of kind of second-tier Brazilian promotions, including Shooto Brazil, uh, Cyborg Nation, and so forth. Odds here are pretty close. Zhang is a slight to moderate favorite. He's minus one forty. Hiberto plus one fifteen. I feel it's more fair to ask this in the two hundred and five pound division. Is either of these guys a top ten fighter two years from now?
1: Could be. Could be. I mean, I mean, Paul Craig was a top ten fighter, so it could be. Uh,
0: sorry,
1: if it, one of them it, is, no. sorry, good. Well, I was just gonna say
0: if one of them is, which is it, regardless of who you think wins yeah. tonight.
1: Well, I, mean, I think that's tough because um, you know, the the reach of Herbert uh is something that, you know, like those raw I always like to call it the raw God given talent. That you know, few people, no matter you could try to take me to the world, you're not gonna your arms are gonna grow. Yeah. Uh but you can do everything in the world, you're not gonna get younger. Which Zhang has on his side. If if you know, always kind of take the Asian fighters age for what it's worth. But you know, taking you know, twenty five years old. Yeah. Yeah. So if I had to pick up, I say Zhang because of that, because of the age.
0: Yeah, it Makes
1: sense. Who wins this one? Oh. <laughs> um I you know, Zhang, like I just said, he's 25 years old. But that said, you've got tons of experience. I mean he's He's got, I think he's got like, what was it? 24 fights or something like that? 20, 22 fights, maybe?
0: Uh, Yeah, 22.
1: 22. 22 fights, yeah. Yeah, 22 fights. I'm only 25 years old. So uh, definitely like that coming into UFC. I'd say he's well-rounded. Uh, his, his striking style, he stands directly in front of his opponent's very Muay Thai style, but he's got some good boxing. He attacks with combinations, got a good straight right, works the body well, good power. I mean, he's got 10 knockouts already. Again, yeah, you know, take those for what it's worth. Yeah. But you know, he's still putting flat in the lining, guys. Um, he'll throw naked leg kicks, which I don't like. Defensively, the biggest issue is just his lack of head movement. Um, like I said, he's wearing Muay Thai kind of I bet you he does a lot of Muay Thai rounds where he's like hiding behind arms because he doesn't move nearly as much side to side. Um he will look for takedowns, but again, he's not he's not a wrestler, but he's got a good submission game. He's got six subs on his record. Uh hard to take down for so his, you know, pretty Big strong guy, so solid takedown defense. And when I've seen him taken down, he pops right back up, which I like. He's got that. Sometimes it's not even, it's, you know, sometimes it's just pure strength. But also sometimes it's just a mindset of if I get taken down, like the floor is lava, let me pop right back up. Héberto uh, is only twenty seven too, so like you got to like that. So he's not like he's old. So um, he's at that, you know, he's trying to enter his prime. Well rounded. I mean, he's got incredible eighty one inch reach, which which you gotta like. Uh, he is in. He's obviously a distance striker. You <laughs> know, he'd be kind of stupid if he was <laughs> if he wasn't. <laughs> you know, uh, very unorthodox the way he throws a little, you know, a little wild. Uh, when he when he throws, you know, strikes down the, the pipe, they're pretty good. But he'll throw a lot of single strikes. You know, uh, not the best hand speed either. Like he's he's a little slow, uh, but <laughs> but he can hit from like miles away. So you like you know, I like that. Uh, mixes punches and kicks together well got good power he's got nine tkos including on the uh dana white contender series uh he'll he'll toss up the occasional high kick but be because he's a distance striker so his best we- weapon is, is probably the teep kicks he is heavy on his front foot so he's open to leg kicks uh he keeps his chin high in the air he will get the fight to the ground but again like reaching, not not a great wrestler but he's got mean ground behind. he's got six subs so you said Zhang is is a you know you said slight to moderate favorite. I think it should be even closer. I think this should be a pick 'em. I'm really on the fence on this one. Um, I think they're both good additions overall to the UFC. Uh, I like think they look they look like UFC caliber fighters to me. You know, I know will they go far? I don't know, but but I, I think they're good additions. Hebero has that size and speed. He you know he has the power that he can knock on anybody. But I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Vegas this one. I'm gonna go with Zhang. Uh, his age is is where he can really improve and leaps around. I think he's faster. I think he's more technical. I think he's more powerful. Yeah, he's probably gonna have to get inside. He's gonna need it into that boxing range. He can't be in the kicking range. Uh, I think we have a little bit of a war. It might be a battle of, of durability in this one. I'm just. I'm gonna go with the younger guy. I'm gonna see Zhang gets the better of the exchanges. Give me Zhang by decision.
0: Yeah, this is a tough one to call, obviously. One, because they have a grand total of one fight worth of Octagon experience or two fights worth of Octagon experience between them, and one of them was on the Contender Series against a mediocre foe, and one was on Road to UFC a year and a half ago against a a mediocre foe. And below that, they have a ton of not super high-level regional experience. One thing I'll I'll say about Zhang is, and here – You know for those who may not be familiar here's a little something about what china's regional scene is like uh regional mma in the us in europe in russia and like the cis they tend to take promising prospects and give them a little bit of a track it's why you know it's not that uncommon to see someone coming out of kazakhstan or russia or ukraine that's like 16 and 0 and is 23 24 years old in China, they really don't do that. They just throw them all into a pit together, and they wait to see who floats to the top. And because of that, you look at Zhang, he's 16 and 6. The real story is, and Keith already pointed out that he's got a ton of fights for his age. He is 7 and 5 before his 21st birthday, and he's like uh, 7 and one cents or or uh, 9 and one cents. Yeah, Like on his 21st birthday, he was seven and five and he had some bad losses. You look at any of those early fights and you can find them like Kunlun fight, uh, uh, you know, and a couple of the others, they're available, uh, you know, on on YouTube. He has a loss to Askar Mozorov. one of the most like shameful, you know, stories in modern UFC history, the guy with the fake record. Yeah, one of his real wins was over like 19 year old Min Yang Zhang. But you look at him in like the first, couple of years of his career he was a big guy that didn't didn't even seem that athletic just kind of big soft kid who was super wild um and fell into some early knockouts and submissions against really overmatched fighters and then fighters who were just older and more experienced with him plunked him um since then you know since he started to show more promise it looks like he got more training, more physical training, got matched a little more carefully. And like I said, since his 21st birthday, he's nine and one, and he seems to be turning the corner into a good fighter, but still, I mean, he's been on the shelf for a while. Sometimes that means you can make huge strides forward. Sometimes it just means you stagnate. I feel like I know more about Brenson Hibeto right now than I do about Min Yang Zhang. Uh, Keith pointed out that Hibeto has this ridiculous reach I tread lightly here, but Brazil, you know, in Brazil, they're really quick to give you nicknames based on your physical, like traits or defects. The fact that his nickname is the gorilla and he practically looks like his knuckles probably drag on the ground. His arms are so long. I mean, there you have it.
1: it she more like, a, what's it? A ragtag? or What was the ones with the long eye? I, most of the
0: great apes have long arms oh, yeah, like, do, like yeah, okay. orangutans chimpanzees yeah like uh well
1: yeah, you you do like to go to the zoo more than i do that's that's a big thing like yeah I go take take her <laughs> to the zoo <laughs> but that's a reference let's see who, who gets that reference but i don't get account. that reference you'll get it I, I, I don't know if i'm allowed to say this because it's so pc but hell i'm gonna take the chance and, and you might have to bleep this out but retards love the zoo you don't know that one?
0: Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. I I, I do remember that one. Yes.
1: Put in the chat if you get that reference. Okay. Hiberro, <laughs> uh,
0: I think if I agree with you that if one of these guys is a top 10 fighter two, three years from now, it's probably Zhang. He has more upside. He has more time to work with. But here... I, I see Zhang's recent run of just first-round starchings of really overmatched guys, and I don't think he's going to be able to do that to Hibero. I I like Hibero's power better, even if I don't think he's probably as fast or as, as Nifty. Uh, if this thing goes past about the seven-minute mark, I don't, I'm don't. i not super high on either of their cardio, but I think I probably like Hibero's a little better. Give me Hibero in what I guess is a, a mild upset, and if he wins, I think he's probably going to finish this thing. So give me Hibero to uh, finish a uh, beat up and exhausted Zhang in the third round. Give me Hibero by third round TKO. It's probably going to be a wild fight up until then. Uh, I could see both guys being in danger of being finished early on, but just give me Hibero to be a little fresher, a little more in practice, a little more durable when it counts. Next up, the bantamweights take the cage as Rindy Nakamura attempts to keep his record undefeated against Carlos Vera. Nakamura, the 28-year-old from Japan, is a perfect 8-0 as a professional. He is a perfect 4-0 as a UFC fighter, including his two appearances on the Road to UFC tournament. Uh, fought most recently in August, taking a dominant unanimous decision over Fernie Garcia. He had been scheduled to fight uh, Brady Heastand. stand had to withdraw. In comes Carlos Vera. Vera, 36-year-old Louisiana native, Ecuadorian born, is 11 and 3 overall. This will be his UFC debut. Uh it's been somewhat delayed. He went on a four-fight winning streak in Fury FC down here in Texas up through like September of 2022, got an invitation to appear on the 31st season of the ultimate fighter. He was eliminated there, but nonetheless had been scheduled to make his debut in the UFC against Daniel Marcos back in uh, December. He had to withdraw from that one. So here he comes in on short notice to take on Nakamura So the good news is he is in the big octagon. The bad news is he is one of the biggest underdogs you'll see all year in the UFC as Nakamura at best right now is minus 800 Vera plus 525. And there are some books where Nakamura is creeping up on minus a thousand. And there's a reason why Nakamura is one hell of a prospect. It's cool that he's just 28 years old. He is a decorated wrestler. He's a U 23 world champ. Um, Which, I mean, it's not a one-to-one mapping, but that's a pretty good preview that this guy might have done well in the Olympics if he'd stayed on that track.
1: Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, yeah, I said I to interrupt you. I, I said earlier, uh, I don't know why I said this. I was saying that with, there's not a blue chipper in, in the prelims. I was, I, I forgot about Nakamura being on the prelims. So yeah, uh, so he, he's a blue chipper. But, yeah, yeah. sir. And
0: he is one of those wrestlers that you know were going on thirty years plus of. There's a certain breed of wrestler that realizes, oh man, I punch really hard too. Uh, and Nakamura, just, yeah, tons of power, great athlete. He is physically the kind of wrestler that, I mean, any any kind of wrestler who's good enough can do well in MMA, but he's not one of the short, compact ball of muscle ones by by Bantamweight standards, he's you know at least medium tall, he's got a little bit of wingspan on him, and that certainly helps him. Vera's a huge underdog here, but I don't know that he stand would have done much better because he, he stands best, uh, traits are his ground game, which was going to be rough sledding against Nakamura. At least Vera is a good striker with you know a, a little bit of power, Vera 36. Especially at Bantamweight, you hate to see a guy debuting in the UFC at 36. I mean, that's not even ideal at heavyweight, but at 135, that's a rough look. Even at 36, he's still a pretty athletic guy. Um, you know, quick hands. By day, he is one of the striking coaches uh, at Ryan Hall's gym up in Virginia, 50 um, 50, BJJ. Yeah, just a good boxer with good kicks, definitely capable of taking care of himself on the ground. But here, I just expect him to be completely overwhelmed by Nakamura. I I, I hate to use the term fighter A by whatever he wants because it sounds so dismissive of the other fighters' avenues to victory. But if Nakamura wants to take Vera down, I think he's going to be able to do it really quickly. You know, he's a fantastic double. He's got a fantastic single. Obviously, as a world champ, chain wrestling is outstanding. Like you know, Vera Vera could defend the first three takedown uh, attempts in the chain perfectly and still end up on his back 10 seconds later. So if Nakamura wants to take Vera down, I think he's going to be able to do it with ease, and Vera's not going to make much hay trying to do Ryan Hall stuff from his back. Um, or if Nakamura wants to test his luck on the feet, Vera is a sound, crisp striker, but Nakamura's going to be way faster Uh, with much better power. And I could see Nakamura just clocking Vera on the feet as well. This has... Yeah, I mean, this has build the prospect kind of written all over it. And given that Nakamura has not really been given to wasting much time in the the octagon, I'm going to say he gets to work right away and he finds a TKO in the first round. Uh, Probably hurts Vera on the feet plows them to the canvas for an easy takedown pounds them out from there. Uh, Nakamura by first round TKO for me.
1: Uh, yeah, this is, this is a really, um, I mean, this is a really lopsided fight when it comes, you know, when you bet betting lines. Um, yeah, I, I apologize again for saying, you know, that, that there isn't a blue chipper on this. Um, I mean, Nakamura, I mean the guy, the guy is is exciting as 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 they come. I mean, he's he's southpaw, who's a really I mean, a fantastic athlete. I mean, you see all this flying stuff, spinning stuff. His hands are fast. He he really steps into his shots and and has incredible power. Very like Dan Henderson like, uh, with that because of that he's he, you know he sits on his punches, so he's open to calf kicks. Uh, I also I never like the way he reacts to getting hit. He kind of overreacts uh, when he starts throwing wildly the 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 one reason why i wouldn't like well well, besides you should never bet on a 10 to 1 favorite because it's not worth it but 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 also because of how wild is he obviously could get caught um he he tends to kind of fall in love with his hands a little bit despite having this incredible wrestling background kind of reminds me of aaron pico in that sense where aaron pico was you know had some got into wars and slugged it out with guys but he probably should just go out and wrestle um so th- I get it. I get why it happens. I remember when I was when I was uh, you know training MMA. and I get I'm not trying to compare myself to knock more not in wrestling or MMA. So um, but I enjoyed sparring boxing than like the wrestling days. I wrestled so much. And when I when I went into the you know, my team I'm not again, I wasn't in a freaking American top team wrestling with you know, world class guys, I was by far the best wrestler. Like it was it was silly I take guys down anytime, anytime I wanted so it wasn't fun but when I started hitting guys and getting that feeling and I, I mean, we, we were stupid we we had a very like um what's what's that what's that team I'm thinking of very um shoe box style where we just like <laughs> we, we would go for knockout every time like I knock the guy through the ropes and you're like man this, this T- is fun. Tuesday
0: night at Militich was was yeah. Every night. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah the old uh lions Den style yeah so I get it like shooting a double that you've done 10,000 times, shooting a misdirection on a single, like he's done it a million times. It's not fun. Like I get like the new toy. I just always remember that, that I think it was brilliant advice that DC gave Bonico when he said, like, stay in the room, keep wrestling. Don't forget about that thing that why you're a blue chipper, you know? So that's kind of what I'd say about Nakamura too. Now he's wrestling. I mean, it's off the charts. His entries are crazy fast. His hip control, uh, it's really good. His scramble ability is unmatched. Uh, if he gets on top, he, I mean, he can keep it down the entire time. Uh, the one thing he's—he's he's not a submission threat, but I mean, any top-level wrestler is at least gonna have a head and arm choke. Like that's—that's mm-hmm. that's you know a good pers- possibility. Key locks. I mean, you don't see him a lot, but like the, something that wrestlers of early on in MMA was very good at because of you know side control, teeing off, all the stuff that, that wrestlers do so much. Uh, Carlos Vieira, my my notes will be very similar to when we were previewing before, because he never got to make his UFC debut. It's hard to get excited about a 36 year old making his UFC debut. Um, Southpaw moves well, likes to stick and move very open, wide stance, uh, Taekwondo style, a lot of spins, um, his kicks are hard. I give him that. He he also loves that Holly Holm push kick. He will look for a takedown, but but not a strong round. So I will say this: like he, it, it's it's unlikely that he takes down Nakamura because of the obviously the pedigrees. But one thing I will say about MMA versus straight wrestling: like people say, oh, like Aljamain Sterling took down Henry Cejudo. Like, oh, how good could it be wrestling? It's it's different. MMA wrestling is different. Um, the setups so are you're not in a proper wrestling stance. Like. You know, if, if you put Kyle in a straight wrestling match Nakamura, he, did, he wouldn't score a point. He'd get pinned in 30 seconds. <laughs> you know, maybe probably not even. Na, no, dude, probably na, not even
0: na, Nakamura would tech false Hudo if they wrestled on Saturday. Oh, now he would. Absolutely. Abs- yeah. Absolutely. But, yeah. 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 But, but, but to, I mean, just to, to reinforce your point, Vera's last two wins are by guillotine choke, which yeah. is something that you can't do in wrestling, but you can sure do to a wrestler in MMA. Yeah,
1: Yeah. And just okay. also like, like, your opportunity to get on the hips of a guy is much better in MMA because the guy's throwing, like especially Nakamura, he's throwing haymakers. He's never gonna do that in a wrestling match that you can gotta duck under and get on the hips. So, um, so guys, I, you you kind of made my point with Vera. He's more of a grappler than a wrestler. Like his best opportunity is is if Nakamura makes an entry and he jumps on something. Uh, his overall takedown defense is weak. Not that it matters if Nakamura wants to wrestle. Uh, he struggles to get off the bottom. Again, not going to matter if Nakamura wants to wrestle him. Uh, no, when I've seen him, when he's been on bottom, no to get off the bottom. Again, not going to matter if <laughs> Nakamura wants to wrestle him. Uh, but he, but he has five submissions. So could Vieira catch something, land a shot? Sure. Could you know? Could he catch a guillotine? Sure. I just I'm going to go with. I mean. I want to be bold, that I'm not going to get some 10 to one favorite. Uh, Nakamura is just a way better athlete, better skills, more power. He can get wild. He's making crazy, but I'm with you, man. I think we seem like we're, even our predictions are in a lot of agreement, how we're going. I say he just lands something huge, has one of those big moments we're saying, gets one of these like 50K bonuses at the end. Give me Nakamura to start in the first round.
0: All right. So that's two picks for Nakamura to get it done in the first round. Uh, let's take a little break. Go watch this football game. Uh, small, small game. Small game. Small Small game. Uh, go, and go
1: go. go uh, 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 Taylor Swift. That's what that's what we're all watching. <laughs> we are. We, 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 we don't want to say it, but we are big Taylor Swift fans. Both of us. Right. I'll will I'll admit it. And we gotta say that to try to get our viewership up, and we can put Taylor Swift in the hashtag now.
0: <laughs> Courting controversy. All right, man. Uh, I'll talk to you in a couple. And we are back. Three seconds later for you, three hours and change later for us. It's surprisingly entertaining Super Bowl. Uh, I don't want to even want to go down that path, or it's already late, and we'll waste a whole hour talking about that. Uh, so let's instead just move right <laughs> I, on to Let me say this
1: one thing. All right, Mahomes is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. That said, like get to half as many Super Bowl wins as Tom Brady does, and then you can talk about being go. Okay. Done. <laughs> <Got it. laughs> the dynasty, absolutely. just yeah. are two dynasties.
0: Pretty much. Next up at UFC 298, the lone heavyweight fight on the card, unless Zhang or Hibero really screw things up on Friday, it is Marcos Rogerio de Lima versus Justin Taffa. DeLima, the 38-year-old Brazilian, is 21-9-1 overall. He's 10-7 in the UFC. He's 6-4 since moving up to heavyweight. And if you're watching this on YouTube right now and you're looking at his picture beneath Keith and me and you're saying, that dude didn't always fight at heavyweight, I know exactly how you feel. Anyway, uh, he is coming into this off of a loss. He ran into Derek Lewis quite literally at UFC 291 last July. Unfortunately, it was his face running into Lewis's knee. That was all over in 33 seconds. So he's looking to get back in the win column here, and he's looking to do it at the expense of Taffa. Uh, Taffa. 38-year-old Australian of uh, Samoan descent, I believe. He is 7-3 and three with one no contest overall. He's 4-3 and three with one no contest in the UFC. He is on a four-fight unbeaten streak. Uh, he just comes into this fight off of back-to-back fights with Austin Lane. The first ended in like 30 seconds on an accidental eye poke, no contest. They met again at UFC 293 last September where uh, Tafa gave him all fist, no finger, and it still just took like a, a minute and 20 seconds. So, having definitively proven that he is a better fighter than Austin Lane, uh, Taffa can finally get back to business. He is not favored here, but the line is pretty close. Uh, DeLima minus 145, Taffa plus 120. Keith, I'm going to flick this to you first, but I will say at least that both these guys are better than I thought they were. I mean, I still don't think either of them is great shakes, but, you know is better than I thought he was, and Tafa, especially considering that I always think he's like five years older than he is, uh, actually has a little bit of upside. Tell me if I'm wrong and tell me who you think wins this. You're mute.
1: Sorry. It it, it depends on what you mean by upside. Um, I mean, is is he going to be a contender one day? No. I mean, can he you know, be a long-running heavyweight? In the division, yeah, I can see that. Um, you know, we we always get these heavyweights. Like, when I look at the card, this is probably the fight that I'm least interested. In. No, there's a really good chance it ends at knockout. So, say it's worth, I still – I got to get, um, like, really excited about heavyweights, like, th- high-level heavyweights. I mean, tough is, is a really big, massive dude. I mean, he's a uh, southpaw, a boxer, pretty quick hands. Uh, he loves throwing uppercuts. He has huge power. Obviously, his his step back counter uh, left is 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 a really good shot. Uh, he lit it beautifully a, a couple times against uh, Harry Huntsucker. Uh, he threw a high kick against Harry Huntsucker. He has a lot of defensive flaws. The one he lacks head movement. Uh, he kind of can just duck his head behind his forearms and kind of pillar. Uh, he can be too aggressive too. I mean, I'm going back a while, but like when he got caught by. Uh, you know, left him open against Jorgen De Castro, which that's not a that's 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 really bad. Uh he hasn't shown much of a ground game. I mean he did sprawl and, and spin behind Harry Hunsucker in their match. I'll give him that. Uh Delima, he's also a big guy. Like he's also these are two massive, like gigantic heavyweights. Uh he likes to he, he wants to brawl. He'll throw down, he'll 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 gladly slug it out with Taffa. Uh he's got huge power. I mean, like go back to like the Ben Rothwell fight. He crushed him. Uh, he's, 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 you know, he's, he's more of a kickboxer too. Like he'll throw a lot more kicks. He's got some mean kicks. Uh, he's his ground game for a long time. We kind of bashed it, but it, it's, it's looked okay at times. And then it's also looked terrible at times. So if he's on top, he could use his size to get a submission like he did against Andre Oloski. If he's on his back, he's really bad. I mean, Alexander Romanoff made him look like he never grappled day in his life. Um, but he also got takedowns against like Waldo, Cortez, Acosta. He showed decent cardio and in, in matchups against like Pugoy, even Ivanov and Acosta. I'm not really high on either. I mean, either guy could can land a big haymaker and, and put it out. Uh Delima has a chance to get a takedown and wrestle a little bit. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with the guy that has more avenues for victory. So I'll say Delima closes the distance. He gets some takedowns. I think he eventually lands some big shots on the ground, which opens up a chance for him to maybe Tafa gives up his back to try to get it up, and 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 Delima locks something in. I see Delima wins by second round submission.
0: Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you threw out there. Lima's offensive ground game is better than we gave him credit for. Obviously, he knew what he was doing when he tapped out Ar- Arlovsky. I, I think we just consigned him to that bin of worst ground fighters in the sport, just based on his early losses. Uh, He, anyone who was still getting Von Pru choked in 2017 goes in a particular bin. You said Alexander Romanov made him look like he'd never grappled a a day in his life. Uh, And still off his back. Now that Greg Hardy is gone. He might still be the the worst grappler in the UFC off his back. Like he's, he's a turtle. You flip him on his back and he's toast. Uh, I don't think this fight goes to the ground unless he wants it there. I, I agree with you there. Uh, Tafa to describe him as massive. I, I, you can count on one hand, the number of people who have missed weighted heavyweight in UFC history. And he's one of them. So th- there's a special hall of fame for that dude. Uh, He's a Mark Hunt disciple. He's got a Mark Hunt build, but he ain't Mark Hunt. And you mentioned one of the problems. He has poor head movement. And once you get past Mark Hunt just having kind of that hilarious personality and being built, and, well, I, I was going to say built like a, a bouncer from Melbourne, but he, he literally was a bouncer. He had you know incredibly good, subtle head movement. It's why he clowned on... Good but not great MMA strikers like Chek Kongo when he fought him. Tafa doesn't have that. He's he's a big old slugger. I'm leaning him here as the slight underdog because he is younger. He does seem to be improving and getting into better shape. Like he just like fit like literally just seems to be getting in the, into better shape. Uh, and Delima, 38 isn't always old at, at heavyweights, but. He's been in the UFC for a long time. Even in some of his victories, he's taken some punishment. Lewis cleaned his clock last year. I think this should be close to a pick-and-fight. I'm not surprised that Delima is the slight favorite, but I'm just leaning Taffa as the guy who's more likely to be as good or better than he was last time I saw him, where there's every chance that Delima might be starting to slip. Give me Taffa by... I mean, if he gets it done, he's going to get it done. Give me Tafa by second round uh, knockout here. Next up at UFC 298, and at least as the card is constituted as of the beginning of fight week, the top prelim is a strawweight matchup between Amanda Lemos and Mackenzie Dern. Lemos, the 36-year-old Brazilian, is 13-3-1 overall. She's 7-3 in the UFC. She's 7-2 at strawweight. She debuted up two weight classes against... Uh, Leslie Smith at 135 pounds lost dropped immediately all the way to 115 and she's looked pretty good since making her way all the way into the title picture. Uh, she is coming into this fight off a loss. She challenged Li Zhang at UFC 292 last August came out very much on the worst side of a five round decision. Prior to that, uh, she had won back-to-back fights over Michelle Waterson Gomez and Marina Rodriguez. So she's looking to get back on the winning track here. She had been scheduled to fight Tatiana Suarez, which would have been one hell of a treat for our prelim headliner. Our consolation prize, not too bad, as Mackenzie Dern steps in uh, to pick up the slack. 30-year-old Arizonan, by way of Brazil, is 13-4 and overall. She's 8-4 and in the UFC. She is... uh, She's been alternating wins and losses for the last couple of years at this point. She's coming in off a loss. She got knocked out in the second round by Jessica Andrade in November at UFC 295. Prior to that, uh, she fought last May and got a pretty straightforward five round decision over Angela Hill in the headliner of UFC Fight Night 223. Odds here? Close. Uh, if I may speak freely, closer than I expected. Lemos minus 130. Dern just barely in the in the plus money at plus one ten. Uh, I was surprised at that line. I expected Lemos to be a bigger favorite. I I don't know if it is because Lemos looked so ineffectual against Wei Li Zhang. I don't know if it's because she's thirty six in a division where thirty six is old. But I again not a betting show. I'm not a betting man but I feel pretty good about Lemos with, with those odds because as great as she is, Mackenzie Dern is still an old school specialist of the kind that used to really prosper in MMA really don't anymore. I, it's remarkable. She's done as much as she has, but she is a world-class grappler, a former world champion grappler who's crossed over to MMA at this point, like a decade ago, almost. And, and, still is kind of a one trick pony offensively. Uh She is a sensational grappler and that much has transferred over in MMA. She's a great grappler. If it goes to the ground, her opponents are usually in a world of trouble, but she still has some ugly striking and still lacks reliable ways to get the fight to the ground on her terms. Uh, eight or nine years into her professional career, despite all the dazzling things she can do on the, on the mat, she's still kind of reduced to bending at the waist and running right at her opponents to try to get them down Uh, either that or punch her way into the clinch and use her physical strength, which uh, is definitely above average in, in this weight class and try to get, you know, trips throws and get the fight to the ground that way. If not, she's not above pulling guard she's not at her best that way just no matter how good a grappler you are that's not a viable way to win at the top level in modern MMA but that's that's still what she is and while her weight issues are a thing of the past now it's not like she's become a better athlete in her 30s so she's taking on someone in Lemos who even though Lemos is significantly older is probably going to be physically stronger hits much harder uh, and is at least as good an athlete. I I think if Dern tries to do K-1 Dern and have a striking match with Lemos, she's going to get hit with superior power. And if she tries to crash the pocket, take Lemos down, she's going to kind of run into a, a wood chipper. I, th- I think Dern's going to just run into a lot of, punches, elbows, intercepting knees from, from Lemos. I, I think this is a bad matchup for Dern. I would love to have seen Lemos versus Suarez. This is still a pretty cool fight, but I think the matchup very much favors Lemos. Uh, Dern remains extremely tough unless it's Jessica Andrade throwing uh, the punches. She's still very, very hard to stop. So give me Lemos to probably win all three rounds and have Dern, uh, Not looking all that hot at the end of it. Beat up Dern is my call.
1: Yeah, this, um, I mean, yeah, you know, replacing Suarez with Dern, you know, is, you know, not a bad replacement, but this fight just got a lot easier for Lemos than it would have been. I mean, Lemos just got out wrestled by Wei Lee Chang so bad, and then you get an even better wrestler. Like, you know, that's, that, that would have been a nightmare for Lamos. Dern, on the other hand, I mean, we know how good she's on the ground, but I would say her striking, you know, has, has improved. She's, she's not a good striker. So don't get me wrong, but she's focused on a striking that it it's, it's still very poor, but isn't the worst in the division anymore. Uh She's still slow. She has some pop, uh, but he, she, <laughs> Good.
0: Well, let me ask you this: Would it be inaccurate to call her a very deluxe version of
1: Jillian Robertson? <sighs> Jillian might be a better athlete. <laughs> I mean, not, like Dern's a better like grappler overall. Yeah, but,
0: Dern's a better grappler. Dern probably yeah. hits a little harder, but yeah, like her. But they're roughly. I in, think it's yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think it's fair. <laughs> yeah, and
0: and nobody is is like jumping out there to proclaim Jillian Robertson the you know the future of the division or or no, trying to find no. any way to get her you know into the title picture just
1: yeah and I don't think there's many people left doing that with Dern. Um I mean defensively she has so many issues. I mean she keeps her, her chin really high in the air. I mean she took tons of damage against Jessica Andrade. Now if she can get the fight to the mat. I mean she's an absolute wizard. I mean you go we've gone over her touch but I mean a five time world champion she's got great control, incredible back takes she's a submission threat anywhere great flexibility so she can kind of get submission in these weird positions the issue is is she is such a poor wrestler she can't get the fight to the ground her entries aren't there they're just not good they don't really exist she tries to grab a single and run the pipe but not very good at it pulling guard or like imanari rolling that's her best chance to get the fight to the ground but she doesn't even do that anymore uh, she's a a weak defensive wrestler but to, to her credit she doesn't care she's to get taken down um because she can hit a sweep or something. She can get a submission off her back. Uh, but again, if you can stop her takedown, she's in big trouble. Lemos is, is you know, she's 36, so that's concerning, but she's still a good athlete. She's fast. She's explosive. She's a good boxer. Great jab. It, it's an up jab, but she kind of throws from her hips. She sh- uses feints well to set up her counters, likes to get in the pocket and throw really tight hooks, has good power. I mean, she starts Marina Rodriguez, good kicking game, nice calf kicks. She can get in the clinch and battle on them. I and mean, she smashed up uh, Lavina Souza in the clinch with, with elbows and stuff. Um, some nasty elbows. She has a judo background. So she likes, if she's going for a takedown, she doesn't mind like throws. I mean, she hit uh, Marina Rodriguez with a foot sweep. Not much for entries. If she gets a fight to the ground, uh, good control, mean ground pound. The issue is her takedown defense. I mean, Wayley Zhang turned into a takedown dummy and she couldn't get up. She isn't a. You know, she's in a huge mister I mean, she did hit Michelle Waterson with a with a nice guillotine, but generally speaking, you pin her against a match, she's not going to get, especially not against Mackenzie Dern. So, it you know, if Dern can take anybody down, Lamos is is the one. That said, I I'm with you, man. I think the line should be bigger for Lamos. I think this looks a lot like the Jessica Andrade fight where. Uh, she's using footwork to avoid takedowns, and then she's landing hard strikes in, like, the transitions when starts missing. I'm going to go say that it goes identical with Dern. I say that, she, you know, she overwhelms her with strikes and eventually it's too much, and I say she puts her out in the second round. Give me Lamos for second round, TKO. Yeah.
0: Man, uh, side note, I remember picking Lavinia Souza over Lamos, and that might be my worst pick on any of our shows that didn't involve a Houston fighter. That's like that's rough. I don't know why. Well, I I'm reminding our listeners it right
1: now. I got some. I got some bad ones. I I can think of one right now. I'm not even gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> the five
0: fight main card of UFC 298 begins with a middleweight clash between Anthony Hernandez and Roman Kopalov. Hernandez, the 30 year old from Northern California, is 11 and two with one no contest overall. He is 5-2 and two since joining the UFC as a former LFA middleweight champ and a veteran of Season 2 of Dana White's Contender Series. The one no contest on his record is him absolutely lamping Jordan Wright in like 40 seconds and then having it overturned for weed. I don't know what they wanted. The man is from Northern California. But at any rate, since then, he's 5-2 and two in the octagon, and he's on a four-fight win streak, those being his epic upset of Rodolfo Vieira, Three years ago, then Josh Fremd, Mark Andre Berrio, and Edmund Shabazian. Most recent of those, the Shabazian fight was last May. So he comes into this fight off uh, about a nine-month layoff. He'll look to make it five in a row against Kopolov, who's also looking for his fifth win in a row. Uh Kopolov, 32-year-old Russian, is 12-2 and overall. He's four and two in the UFC. Basically joined the UFC right out of uh Fight Nights Global. Lost his first two, including a submission loss to Carl Roberson. He looked like a bust, turned things around. And since then, he has four straight knockout wins over Alessio DiCirico, Puna Soriano, Claudio Hibero, and Fremd, whom he fought at uh, the Grosso versus Shevchenko 2 fight night back in September. So two gentlemen looking to make it five in a row. Uh, that makes you a person of decided interest in the UFC middleweight division right now. Your favorite is minus 180. Your underdog is plus 150. Who are they, Keith?
1: Um, Kopolov's
0: favorite. Your favorite is Anthony Hernandez, minus 180. Roman Kopolov, plus 150. I'm as surprised as you are. I I mean, I think the line should be closer anyway, but if one guy was going to be almost a two-to-one favorite, I would have assumed it would be Kopolov, who has been lancing people. Like, uh, you and I both love Hernandez. Like you and I, like Hernandez is one of our guys. Uh, I like both these guys. This is one of the fights where, okay, the winner is probably going to be ranked in the top 10 by the UFC. So I'm not mad at it, but I am bummed the one guy has to lose. Uh, Hernandez just seemed like he was going to be another middleweight champ that gets plucked out of LFA and then doesn't amount to much at the UFC level. We've had plenty Marcus Perez, Ian Einish. I mean, there were like five in a row, uh, And Kopolov looked like another undefeated bust out of Russia that I talk about all the time. I've been proven wrong on both counts, and I like what we get out of both of them. Neither of them is a huge middleweight, but they're both pretty athletic. They both have good gas tanks, which, I mean, that's the trade-off you get when you're talking about gigantic middleweight sometimes. Uh, Kopolov has become a sniper who, I, I mean, he has a couple of... Body blow knockouts in his four, uh, you know, in his four fight win streak. But even so, even in the other fights, his commitment to body work is opened other things up for him. Like he iced Claudio Herrera with a head kick after murdering his body for most of the first rounds. Uh, like all stuff that, that on the Shill and the Duffy show, we like we like people that hit the body. You know, we like scrappy undersized fighters who overachieve and give us exciting fights. Hernandez, obviously, he's a very good grappler. He, I mean, we're tired or not, when you tap out Rodolfo Vieira, that that's a, a notch that you get to keep forever. But more more than that, he's just been a scrappy guy who outlasts uh, his opponents. Like, I mean, he's had rough sledding in the early going of, of several fights on, on this 4 or 5 win streak, uh, but just good cardio, good durability, for a guy that like famously popped for weed after his biggest career win, pretty smart fighter, makes good adjustments between rounds. Uh here I am leaning Kopolov, which I guess is a moderate upset, just because the the things that, like Hernandez's striking defense is still not great. Uh Kopolov's willingness I mean, his, like, drive to invest in body work I think can help nullify some of Hernandez's fight-altering cardio. And as tough as Hernandez is, I mean, if Kopalov hits him clean with a head kick, I don't think it's going to matter. So much as it, like, hurts me to pick against one of my guys, I think the Kopalov Express keeps rolling here. He's got four straight uh, knockout wins at this point. They're all kind of middling, middleweights. This is the first guy he'll, he will have fought where, okay, the winner is probably needs to be ranked. And I think he passes this test as well. Gimme Kopolov, I'm going to say first-round knockout, actually. I'm going to say he catches Hernandez, cold. Hernandez is a step behind. He goes body, body, head. And it's not because I think he's 10 times better than Hernandez. If this thing gets out of the first round, I like Hernandez's chances better and better. But I, I just envision Kopolov getting on him early and getting them out of there before he gets the chance to start doing the Anthony Hernandez thing.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, this is an incredible matchup, and I'm glad that it's getting respected to, to be on the pay view. Um, these guys kind of deserve this moment. Um, Hernandez, like, like you said, he's, he's one of my favorite fighters. He isn't a great athlete, but he just makes up for it by just being this junkyard dog. I mean, constantly moving forward, fights with tons of volume, um, constantly taking the ground pressuring gets in the pocket and loads power shots he's got some pop to him he, he can wrestle he, good entries dude is super hard to submit i mean very underrated submission artist i mean he's i mean he's some duffel vera for for you know pete's sake uh you know was it a fluke i mean he had very in trouble a couple of times with submissions uh, mm-hmm. he, he loves Fred headlock series, guillotines and is that now he isn't a very strong defensive wrestler, but he is hard to, you know, hard to hold down as well, to work back to feet and, and he's hard to submit. I mean, it's, it's, uh, Adolfo Vera found out. And then ultimately it's just his cardio. He's going to fade you. He's going to break you with his cardio. They just can keep, continues to get stronger and stronger as the fight moves on. kopolov good athlete huge for the weight class southpaw that really loves to work from range very good striker very sharp uh, also a builder that gets stronger as the fight goes on not to the pace that hernandez does but just still his his um output increases when he starts finding the the signs of his opponent quick hands a crisp jab follows that with nice straight hard shots on the pipe a uh, lot of variety in his attacks. Very good kicking game. I mean, crushing kicks to the body. You know, he stopped Puno Soriano with a body kick. He stopped Josh Friend with a body kick. Beautiful high kick of Claudio uh, Ribeiro. Um, I mean, Carl Robinson had some success kicking his legs, and that's something that uh, Hernandez might want to do. Uh, he's a solid wrestler. He got some good entries. Doesn't look forward to wrestle as much, but um, he, he isn't a submission threat, but he's got re- he's really hard to take down if someone wants to take him down. This this is a really amazing matchup. To me, it comes down to Hernandez's volume versus the toughness of I mean, I'm sorry, Hernandez volume and toughness versus Kopoloff's technique and power. I like both fighters. Two of my favorite fighters. I think both are extremely underrated. I, I say I say Hernandez is absolutely fearless and marches down Kopolov, but he eats tons of shots for his effort coming in. And I'm with you, man. I'm we're gonna have a consensus upset pick. Because I think he hits too many shots, and I think Kopolov f- finishes him with something. Could be a body kick. I, I think it might be a high kick. Give me, give me Kupala by second round TKO. Next up
0: on the UFC 298 main card is a high level, to say the least, men's bantamweight matchup between Marab Dwalishvili and Henry Cejudo. Dwalishvili, the 33-year-old Georgian by way of Long Island. Is 16 and four overall. He's nine and two in the UFC, with a decent argument to be made that he should be 11 and 0. Uh, he lost his first two fights, a close, contentious split decision in his debut against Ricky Sayans, a controversial technical submission, literal buzzer beater, five minutes of the third round against Ricky Simone in his second fight. Since then, he has been perfect, uh, nine straight wins, making his way up the ladder until he's been beating former champs in his last couple fights, Marlon Marais, Jose Aldo, Piotr Jan, and none of the nine opponents have been much more than the speed bump for him. It has been a thoroughly dominant run. He'll look to run it to 10 straight here and get arguably the best win, arguably the best name of all of them in former two-division champ Cejudo the 37-year-old uh fighting out of Arizona is 16 and 3 overall. He's 10 and 3 in the UFC. He's 2 and 1 at bantamweight. He is of course the former flyweight champ who snatched gold by upsetting the unbeatable Demetrius Johnson almost 8 years ago at this point. Uh he defended that title against TJ Dillashaw 5 years ago when Dillashaw tried to move down to become a two division champ. After that, Cejudo moved up, beat Marlon Rice for the vacant title, defended it against Dominic Cruz, took a three-year self-imposed hiatus from the sport. Of, you know, of course, he, Habib Nurmagomedov, and John Jones all walked away from the sport in, in 2020 for their various reasons. Cejudo came back last year. He challenged then-sitting champ Aljamain Sterling in May, came up just short in a split decision, uh, but still obviously very much a factor in the title picture here. And here he looks to at the very least mint himself as the next man in line for whoever comes out of the upcoming O'Malley versus Vera title fight. Your favorite is minus 185. Your underdog is plus 155. Who are they, Keith?
1: is uh, a favorite.
0: You are correct. Mirabh Wallace, really minus 185. Henry Cejudo, plus 155. Tell me about these guys. Tell me what they're good at. Tell me what they're bad at. Tell me who you think wins. Yeah,
1: yeah. Without giving away my pick, uh, I'm surprised by that line, and and I'll let you know by the prediction. I I think the line is off. Um, Henry Cejudo, I think he looked good in his return. Not great, but I think he looked good for you know based on his age. You know, no Walmart fight going right against that time the champion. Uh, That said obviously there's more concern now, now that he's another year older, he's 37, he's coming off another injury. Uh, you know, we we, we talked about this last time in his, in his fight against Aljamain Sterling, his last three wins haven't aged well. I mean, they were TJ Dillashaw, Marlon Rice and, and Dominica like a, an old guard, you know, at this point, uh, he obviously is, is really undersized. He's, I mean, he's, he's short, he's, he's a flyaway fighting bandwagon. Um, I me, mean, was way smaller than Aljamain Sterling. Now, again, Aljamain Sterling is probably a featherweight fighting bantamweight. But um, one thing about him, is as he's going to bantamweight, is his movement has really disappeared. He, he, he's more standing right in front of his opponent. Uh, he's still a good boxer with that bladed stance. Uh, I like. I still like his hand speed. He sets up his shots well with feints. His right hand is his best punch. Um, he's you know based you know because he has you know he's based underneath him. He still has some good power. Uh, good calf kicks. Uh, defensively, he still keeps his high, you know, his chin high in the air, which I don't like. Now, the thing about Henry Sudo, I was always going to mention, obviously, it's going to be his wrestling Obviously, he's a great wrestler, still. You know, former Olympic gold medalist. That said, the dude's 37. He won the Olympics when he was 21. He wasn't good enough to make the Olympics when he was 25, <laughs> you know? He wouldn't score a point against... Like Vito Aruja or Spencer Lee or whoever, Thomas Gilman, Nick Soriano, one of these guys. Now, don't get me wrong; he can still shoot. He can still get takedowns. He can get in those high crotches uh, and show how strong he is. Slam. I mean, he's still a good winning scrambles. I mean, say what you want about the match against Sterling; He's still got Sterling out three times, which is which is a really good accomplishment. Uh, the problem is, is he can't explode through the hips anymore. That's not going to be his case. He's got to have to be more tricky, more, uh, you know, he'll do, he does, still has that great inside trip, but, you know, slide bys, chucks, like things like that. He's not going to blast you, you with a double or anything. Uh, his, his takedown defense also isn't perfect. Some of that has to do with different wrestling, you know, MMA versus regular international freestyle wrestling. But I mean, Sterling took him down four times. Uh, I actually like his wrestling best in the clinch. Again, like I you talk about that, that beautiful inside trip. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the best takedowns in MMA. Now I'm going to say like a record. I'm going to continue to say Marup should be undefeated in the UFC. I thought he brought, beat Frankie Sines and, and the Ricky Simone thing was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Uh, to, until he actually loses I'm going to say that every time. We talk about guys fighting at a crazy pace. You know, or, or we talk about guys fighting at a high pace and it's a large, you know, high volume guy, high output guy, however you want to say it. Then there's guys, maybe a dozen or so, that we're like, oh, this this is a different category. This this is crazy pace. Max Holloway, somebody like that. Then there's Marab pace and it is just Marab. Nobody fights at the pace he does. Dude is constantly moving forward, constantly throwing haymakers, trying to take his foes' the head clean off no fear of getting hit he kind of throws punches just to force his opponent back to bring their hands up he'll do like a spinning back you know spinning back fist to try to get them to back up uh to his credit i will say he's he has cleaned up a little bit thrown a little bit more straight punches he had a, a really good uh calf kicking game against uh Puryon. but all the stuff is due for showing your back foot where he's going to shoot and he doesn't care about actually getting the takedowns. He just has a mindset that he won't stop shooting. You stop his takedown, doesn't matter. He'll shoot again. Uh he, you know, he's gonna tie you out with his takedowns. He shot 49 times against Jan. <laughs> like that's insane. Uh I mean, there's wrestlers who won't sh- shoot that many times drilling <laughs> in a practice.
0: I mean, he was faded by the time they fought, but Jose Aldo once maybe had the greatest takedown defense in MMA history. Sure. And Marab like just wiped him. Yeah. With wrestling.
1: Yeah. He's he's a great chain wrestler, chains take downs together so well. And and besides the pace, the the probably the the best cardio in May. Um considering when we think about guys with crazy cardio, we're thinking about guys throwing tons of punches, we're not thinking about the guy who's going for 49 takedowns. Now some reason why he has so many takedowns, he's, I still think he needs to improve his top control. It's, it's one of the reasons why he, he needs so many takedowns. As far as prediction goes, well, give, give me the betting lines one more time.
0: Uh, Marab is minus 185, Suhudo plus
1: 155. Yeah, I think that line is off. And, and I think Marab should be close to 300, negative 300. I three don't think it's big enough. Uh, yeah, Suhudo's is the biggest name. Yeah, he's got MMA, you know, championship fights and big pay-per-view experience and things that Marab doesn't have. The problem is Marab is going to fight Cejudo at an insane pace and that a 37-year-old can't fight at. He's going to press him. He's going to keep shooting. He's going to have times he's going to have trouble taking Cejudo down, but he's going to land Haymakers. And then he's going to switch to a takedown, and slowly over time he's going to get those takedowns. I think it's going to look a lot like the Sterling fight, but with even more takedowns. Give me a Marab fight decision.
0: Yeah, I I love the breakdown there, and this is the joy of talking about a Marab fight because there's something about him that I I think we both can confidently say is the best in the sport. And yes, his his pace, the the mm-hmm. mythical weaponized pace that ends up leaving even. Other high-pace great cardio fighters in the dust. Uh, you mentioned, like, we, we think of fighters with incredible pace, we think of Max Holloway, but Holloway throws millions of strikes, and it's possible to lose sight of it until you, you kind of realize, oh my goodness, he's he's throwing 120 punches this round. With Marab, it's in your face the whole time. I'm sure it is absolutely miserable for his opponents. The the best thing I could say about Mirab is he is actually doing what the UFC always wanted you to believe the Clay Guida was doing like the perpetual motion, but with Marab, the punches and the takedowns are actually a f- like, they're all effective. Yeah. yeah. It's not just yeah. moving over Yeah. I, I, if,
1: moves around. Like he's like a, like a kindergartner at the elementary school dance, just <laughs> dancing wildly. Like he's like not really being effective. Yeah,
0: like just had like three cups of Kool Aid and he's all like, like all corn holy Yeah. yeah. I, was uh,
1: watching, I was watching the Super Bowl and I was like, <laughs> watching Usher doing his halftime show on frigging ice skates. And I'm like, uh, you know, I can see Maravi doing something like that. <laughs> yep.
0: Like with the jacket he stole from Sean O'Malley. Yeah. Uh, things that Sehudo that still does well. Uh, you mentioned that at 135 and certainly as he's pushed into his late 30s as well, his movement is not as smooth and constant as it was at 125. in his favor, he's kept his pop. he was a hard hitter at 125. he's a hard hitter at 135. Just unfortunately, I don't think that's something that's gonna serve him very well here because I don't know what Marab's weaknesses are, but getting caught by a hard punch is not one of them because if that was it, Four of his last five opponents are some of the hardest hitters in that division. Dodson, Marais, Aldo, and Jan. Marab took some shots from all of them and just, it, it didn't even slow him down. Uh, I like your breakdown of Cejudo's wrestling. At least he is still willing to wrestle. He's found ways to keep his wrestling effective as he's moved into his later thirties, as he's suffered injuries. A, a lot of formerly great wrestlers just quit even trying after 35. Uh, I would make the argument that he might be the most, MMA effective wrestler of this age in this low weight class in the sport right now. Like there just aren't many guys under 155, over age 35 that depend on wrestling to the extent that Suguto still does. So uh, points for still trying, points for keeping it as part of his game. But I do think this is a bad matchup for him. It's a bad matchup for him in the same way the Sterling fight was, only with even fewer avenues for him to get to victory because there was always the chance that Sterling would slow down a little bit. There was always the chance that Cejudo would clock Sterling. And I mean, Sterling can be knocked out by one punch. Uh, Those avenues to victory aren't there. So I'm with you. I I would have been fine with the line being minus 285 instead of minus 185. I think we get a thrilling, exhausting Rob performance here. I think he probably wins all three rounds. Cejudo's moments of, uh, you know, moments where he takes over the fight will be few and far between, and we'll probably just get some hilarious, heartfelt, broken English moment on the mic afterwards, and I'm 100% here for it, but the Marab Express continues on, and on the recap, we'll probably be breaking down who we think the r- really the five best weights in MMA are. Third from the top on Saturday is a welterweight matchup between Jeff Neal and Ian Gary. Neil, the 33 year old Texan, is 15 and 5 overall. He is 7 and 3 since joining the UFC. He is coming into this fight off of a loss. He fought just once last year. It was at UFC 285, where I put up a valiant fight, but ended up succumbing to a rear naked choke from Shavkat Rachmanov late in the third round. That snapped a two fight win streak for him over Santiago Ponzanibio and Vicente Luque. He'll be looking to get back in the win column, looking to reaffirm himself as a top 10 fighter and perhaps still an outside factor in the title picture, Uh, but he'll have to do it at the expense of Gary. Gary, 26-year-old Irishman, is a perfect 13-0 as a professional mixed martial artist. He is a perfect 6-0 since joining the UFC as the outgoing Cage Warriors welterweight champ. Uh, Kind of like I said about Marab a few minutes ago, he's made his way up the rankings in very logical fashion, uh, taking out sort of mid roster guys like Jordan Williams and Gabe green in his early fights, uh, working all the way up to fringe contenders like Daniel Rodriguez and Neil Magny in his last till. Uh He fought three times last year, coming back from some adversity to knock out song Canon in March, lamping uh, Rodriguez in may, and then taking a pretty one-sided unanimous decision over Magny in August. He, of course, had been scheduled uh, to fight late last year. Uh, Gary was forced out of the fight during fight week due to pneumonia. Controversy abounded. A lot of it not really to do with Gary's pneumonia or his fighting style, but just kind of the quirks of his personal life. Uh, they never remade that matchup. They booked him against Neil instead. They were supposed to fight. 4 weeks from now at UFC 299 for whatever reason they moved it up from UFC 299 to 298 so we get to enjoy it this week. Uh Gary is a comfortable favorite. He's minus 240, Neil plus 190. Keith. Wow. Uh I know that you like this fight. We talked about oh, it yeah. on the intro. Uh tell me who you think wins and if if you're favoring Gary in this fight, uh tell me kind of what you would like to see from him or what you'd like to see him demonstrate that would make you feel comfortable with him going on to fight more top 10 fighters. Cause it's, it's all top 10 fighters from here on out. Oh yeah.
1: Beat Neil without controversy. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that goes right there. What, what I'd like to see if he beats Jeff Neal. I mean, he he's, he's a rat. I mean, you, you don't beat Jeff Neal unless you're a freaking stud, which is why I don't think Jeff Neal should be a, like a three to one underdog to anybody. Like Leon Edwards, the champion. I wouldn't put him three to one favorite over Jeff Neal. Like that's, that to me, nuts. I want to talk about something real quick, which is just how crazy MMA fans are. Uh, and I'm an MMA fan. So like, I'm, I'm putting myself in this category and what a world is a guy who, I don't know, wife writes a book about that she claims was a spoof. I don't know. Even the title sounds like a spoof, but whatever becomes a bad guy. But the guy who got a DUI and was driving around with a gun is somehow becomes the victim. Like, what are we doing? Like, he was driving around drunk. Could have killed somebody. I... Am I right? Am I, am I, am I out of my mind that like, why is Gary hated, but Neil is like a hero now?
0: I don't know. I, I mean, I remember yeah. saying at the time about the whole Neil thing that, this is the first time he's had any sort of public behavior like this, and how it's remembered will depend on sure. whether sure. He's, he heads down the John Jones road and we get this sort of thing once or twice a year or it becomes a blip on the radar. Mm-hmm. At this point, you know, point, four years ago, clearly a blip on the radar, like he seems to be focused. We've never
1: heard trouble yeah. with the no, law yeah, again, yeah, yeah. It but it doesn't problem. make him a hero. It yeah, just yeah, makes even- him a, a human being who did better. Yeah, it just could be be one bad moment. So I mean, I mean, whatever. I'm not. Making, I don't want to make a, a mountain out of a molehill, but it just. I think it's funny that that. But people are like, oh, Ian Gary crossed the line by showing his booking photo. Like, really? That's that's what crossing line line is. And people attacking his wife is okay. Like, it's,
0: uh, some I, people. I remember- God. just some people are so upset that he uses his wife's uh last name along with his own like i and i don't want to go too far down this path but just the idea that a guy that could clearly kick all of their asses yeah like if you know every single person on twitter like calling gary gary less of a man for taking his wife's last name gary could twist gary could fold their laundry for them with them still in it like yeah yeah, he would absolutely (laughs) absolutely uh, like
1: what what in you is threatened about this i think it's yeah i think it's cute but if i thought it was annoying
0: Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's
1: all uh, right. What a what a what a wimpy dude. He's fighting Jeff freaking Neil. <laughs> like, yeah. like, um, yeah. The the only time I remember feeling like how like strange, like sh- scratching my head, was when I was in uh, Buffalo, New York, uh, before I was with Sherdog, sure and DC was fighting Anthony Johnson, and people were going crazy about DC grabbing the towel and hating him and booing him. Every time they showed his face, they were booing him, and I'm like, in what world is the guy? Who, if you tell the story, let's see, his dad was murdered. He had a baby that get killed in a car crash. Like he's got the ultimate sad story. M- missed the Olympics because of, you know, uh, weight cutting issues and 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 feel Like I can't remember which one was like was it like liver failure or something like that. Yeah, like his kidneys, I mean,
0: kidney failure. Yeah, kidneys. That's what
1: I'm sorry, kidneys. Yeah. And then yeah, liver failure. I think you die a liver failure. And then he volunteers his time to coach wrestling while being the world champion of a that guy's getting booed. And the guy who's a serial domestic violence offender is getting cheered. And and, and
0: had dog fighting rings and like, just like a a laundry list. Like, if he that like, towel, would, if that towel had been some woman's yoga mat and he threw it out the door, I guess they would have cheered Yeah, Yeah, like, he got,
1: he, yeah, I know. He got arrested <laughs> at like Mohegan Sun. Uh, and only King asked about it. And he like threatened to beat up the only King. Like, he, anyways, right, we're going go down. A, a, I <laughs> went down and ran too far. But um yeah, I. I Back up though, I do think it's kind of weird to head take his, his wife's name. <laughs> so I said all that just to yeah. agree. Well, but like, I, I mean, I he's it... in love. Whatever, he's in love. Yeah. She's hot as hell. Like, yeah. yeah, good for him. Um, so what? What? Let's actually talk about the exits of this fight. It, it's it's an intriguing fight to me. It's a much harder fight for Gary than I think Vicente Luque was going to be. Um, well, got. I mean, MMA math
0: isn't perfect, but Neil.
1: No, the yeah. out. <laughs> We're just a punching power and all that um yeah. which is why why i said about jeff if jeff nail became a champion what I, it's it's not other like i'm not betting on it but it's not other like there's people that i'd say this out of the realm of possibility uh, oh, yeah.
0: yeah but he's not one of them just, just not one the of right them.
1: matchup and yeah, he he's he still the run. guy that's
0: that's given the hardest time to Rachmanov of thought <laughs> so far
1: yeah um i mean yeah i i get the hype gary's got a big name he's been in the spotlight he's got a a pump um, he's he's really big for the weight class I, I met him um, when he fought in was it, I think it was New York City when he when he no it must have been Boston when he fought no had was Boston um, I mean he's a big dude long lengthy very athletic moves well very elusive good footwork uh, he's a very good striker that he has shown improvements from each UFC fight uh, he's ability to get stronger and stronger on the feet He's very relaxed very technical A bit of an outstriker from range. I see fast hands, very accurate. That's the thing that's really impressed me since his UFC debut to now. Uh, He tends to really measure his foe and land shots. Nice jab, tacks with combination, slips and rips well, uh, loves that he goes to the body, good head movement. Uh, He does rely on head movement a lot because he he keeps his heads low. But this is a guy that's hurting people and he's just now getting into his power years. Um, so we can start seeing him, I mean, he's just entering his prime now. So we really start seeing him starching, guys. Uh, I love the stepping knees to kind of keep his opponents from being awesome, stepping, you know, getting into range. Good kicking game, great inside kicks, good calf kicks, great high kick. But I mean, we saw that against Daniel Rodriguez. He can wrestle a little bit. He's got a judo background. Uh, he'll occasionally look for a takedown. Uh, good top game, good, really, really aggressive ground and pound. He does attack with submissions, uh, particularly like head attacks, uh, Darce chokes, things like that. Uh, he's a bit of a building as stronger as fight moves on. the The one thing that I am concerned with him, and you know, the, they say there was pneumonia, and and, and maybe that. So I know that the the thing that's going on with Sean Strickland and his wife and all this stuff was, and, and Kobe Covington and 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 a, you know, a bunch of people kind of piled in. You know, is it true that he had pneumonia and and was it the press guy that you know he wasn't going to talk at the press conference? Last time we were we were talking about him. I was talking about his confidence. He has like this Conor McGregor where which almost seems like he he sees things that hasn't happened yet. That I'm worried about. That maybe he doesn't have. And Jeff Neal's not the guy you want to go against without a confidence. Again, it could be nothing. He could be just as confident on the mic. Come come this week. Uh, Jeff Neal, southpaw, very elusive, moves well, very quick hands, very explosive very accurate uh throws nice clean shots down the pipe he's got a great straight left uh he he will throw his straight left as a lead and kind of double it up sometimes too which is kind of unorthodox um he he, he, he will don't well, yeah, no, he'll step in and like lead with an uppercut which um, is a very dangerous but it's yeah you know, he's got the power if he, he connects i mean he can put you out he's a, va- a very massive power i mean go back to the luke fight i mean he hurt him a bunch of times before starting him. He hurt Rachmaninoff, not to the extent of Luke, but it hurt him in that fight, like you mentioned, gave Rachmaninoff a, a hell of a fight. Uh, the one fight recently that I was very disappointed was the Santiago-Pontineva fight where he was very gun-shy, um, low output, giving away rounds, that was concerning. Uh, when he kicks hard body kicks, he got crushing high kick, uh, which he likes to throw after counter strikes, which is so unique. He doesn't wrestle much, but he has been wrestling much more lately. He took down Nico Price, took down Neil Magny, took down Vicente Luque. Uh, incredible. I mean, look what he did to Nico Price. And he showed really good takedown defense so far in the UFC. This is an incredible fight. I, You know, the winner of this one to me is going to be challenging for the top five. I'm big on both guys. Gary's going to have he's gonna worry about his channel we've seen him blasted before and now you got the hardest hitter he's ever faced. That said, I'm 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 picking I'm picking Gary to win. Uh I'm i I'm a Gary believer. And it's funny because when he first came to UC I really wasn't. And he he's won me over. I say he lands the cleanest shots. I think he has some kicks some some calf kicks maybe. Um give me Gary by decision.
0: Yeah, I love this matchup as well. And I feel as though, I mean, maybe not us. Like, we seem to be up on Neil. But I think, like, a lot of people might just sleep on him because he's inconsistent to the point where he's had some of his most frustrating performances in some of his highest profile fights. Like, the Ponzinibbio fight was frustrating. The way he lost to Magny was frustrating. But uh, if not if not Marab Bilal Muhammad is the most overdue title challenger in the UFC. And Neil was the last guy to beat him and Neil beat him bad. Neil. Yeah. Well, all three rounds knocked him down multiple times. Like nobody in Muhammad's last 15 fights has done that kind of stuff to him. Other than Neil, like just never got on track and got to do the Bilal Muhammad thing. Never started rolling downhill. Never started the rinse and repeat takedowns and just miserable, you know, like wrestling pressure, uh,
1: it, it it was, no, that, that was a long time ago that's a much different below muhammad
0: it was i mean it was five years ago uh yeah it just, it's just a, it's a really good name to have on your resume yeah, yeah it's, it's aged well uh neil i i love that you pointed out his power and he is maybe my favorite example of a guy that has fantastic power without over swinging on anything one just he's got whatever kind of biomechanical advantages he has from his body that he was born with, and then just clean technique. Feet under him, straight punches, just crisp, and it all hurts. And because of that, when quote unquote good MMA strikers that aren't as clean as him come at him, he usually just, it's a meat grinder. Price, Perry, Luke just made, made him look kind of amateurish, hurt him, hurt him more, and the thing was over. Uh, it, it's not a I, I mean nobody really cares about moral victories in MMA but he hurt Shavkat Rachmanov like, like he caught him clean Rachmanov like I, we'd never seen Rachmanov like backing off from anything and like shaking cobwebs out he, yeah, he, hurt absolutely. Him. Uh, he ended up getting overwhelmed by I mean Rachmanov is a special athlete a giant dude an incredible wrestler I mean he's special he's part of the future of the division I'll, I get why you picked Gary and spoiler I'm, I'm going with Gary as well, but so much of it depends on, on the between the ears stuff. And because of that, that's why I'm just, I'm following my own advice. Cause I'm always a guy that's like, I don't care who looked shook at the weigh-ins. I don't care, you know, who, who got mad at the press conference. Most of these guys are professional enough that it, it just doesn't factor in. I have to assume the same thing about Gary. Like, if Gary shows up and fights to his the, the best of his ability, he beats Neil. Uh, he has more avenues to victory. He could certainly deal with him on the feet. Uh, he's a hard hitter himself. Uh, he's generally pretty defensively sound. He would have reach on Neil. But then on top of everything else, the guy was a Judica before anything else. He's a good takedown artist, thrives in scrambles, uh, You know, good submissions, nasty ground and pound. He, he has lots of, of avenues to victory. And he's at an age where he's probably still getting better from fight to fight. He has improved noticeably across his six UFC fights. Like, if he'd fought Neil Magny and Danny Rodriguez in his first two UFC fights, he probably would have lost one of them. Uh, I mean, even, even, like, Song cannot hurt him. Like, same thing I just said about uh, Neil versus Rachmaninoff. Like, we all remember... Gary overwhelming song on the ground in the third round and getting like basically the, the mercy TKO, but song hurt him in the first round. I don't remember whether he actually knocked him down, but Gary was absolutely rocked. Uh, He's getting better and better as we go along. And in that, uh, especially for a guy that was, you know, like a 22 year old prospect when he got to the UFC, the, the twin stabilities of his home life. And the fact that he's just settled down at a Henry hoofed, uh, Kill Cliff, you know, and isn't jumping from camp to camp. I, I I think that serves him well. So if Gary is as advertised, if it really was just pneumonia and just a bad week at the office that forced him out of his last booking, I do think he beats Neil. And I think it becomes a signature win for him. Like, like I said, uh, if he beats Neil uncontroversially, it's going to be, top 10 opponents until the wheels fall off like either until he loses or he, or he's champ Like he he's going to be in the same breath as your uh as your rakmanovs uh give me gary by decision as well uh i'm not discounting neil's uh avenues to victory here like I think I've said this on one of our previews before, but one of the more alarming things I've witnessed in person was an open workout where he and Uriah Hall were holding pads for each other and just actual fighters that were there for it. And plenty of media members that have been to tons of these things were like flinching yeah, at just the sound and like the, the air that was hitting you in the face. Uh, Give me Gary by decision. All I want out of this is uh, is a great fight. That brings us to the co-main event of UFC 298, a 185-pound matchup between former champ Robert Whitaker and former title challenger Paulo Costa. Whitaker, the 33-year-old New Zealander by way of Australia, is 24 and seven overall. He's 15 and five since joining the UFC as the winner of Tough Smashes, the Australia versus UK season, which was almost 12 years ago at this point. Wow. Uh, he's 12 and three since moving up to middleweight. He had been doing pretty well at welterweight. He'd never missed weight, but he just decided all on his own that his best future lay at 185 pounds and darned if he wasn't right. He became interim champ. He was promoted to undisputed champ, uh, defended that were, would have defended it more if Yoel Romero had made weight, but lost to Israel Adesanya, but I, he's never dipped out of the top five since. His losses at middleweight are, Adesanya, Adesanya, and Drikas Duplessis, champ and champ. Uh, he did lose to Duplessis in his most recent uh, Octagon appearance. That was at UFC 290 last July. Uh, got knocked out middle of the second round after what had seemed like a pretty uh, fun fight brewing, but that's what Drikas Duplessis does to people. He will look to get back on the winning track here against Costa. Costa, 32 year old Brazilian, is 14 and 2 overall he's 6 and 2 in the UFC. He won his last time out, uh took a unanimous decision over Luke Rockhold about 18 months ago at UFC 278 in an absolutely bizarre fight that was more fun than it had any right to be. Didn't really teach us much about either guy, but it did get him back in the win column after his back-to-back losses to Adesanya and Marvin Vittori. Uh Costa steps back into the octagon here. Again, it's August of 2022, so more than 18 months uh, since he's fought. And he is a moderate underdog. Whitaker is minus 210, Costa plus 170. Keith, I I feel like I, I say this about very good featherweights, lightweights, and welterweights a lot. I, I don't say this about middleweights as often, just because middleweight is so wide open, but... Paulo Costa at this point has descended into being a one fight per year fighter. And if you fight <laughs> once per year, it doesn't matter if you win all your fights, you're just going to get passed on like, sure. people are going to honk and pass you on the
1: shoulder. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and that's, that. that's what's happening. I, I,
1: yeah, he's like, he's like, he's like a uh, Amish person on the highway. Yeah. Like, I mean, 2018,
0: 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, one fight per year for the last five years who knows whether he'll fight more than once this year, at least he's getting an early start, but it's easy to forget how good and how dangerous he was at his best because he fights once per year. And because he is such an absolute clown car of a fighter and human being in between. Like, okay. So he, he really drew out Israel Adesanya in terms of the talk, like whatever just foolishness he does and i think he's hilarious online i i i think yeah, it's so great that he does he, he doesn't actually take himself that seriously like culturally yeah. a lot of brazilian fighters t- take their own chip pretty seriously he never has like he's like all right here's my bottle of secret juice yeah. you know and just like yeah. being silly the problem is adesanya absolutely clowned him in the cage like as close to a no hitter as, as adesanya has pitched then the whole travesty with vittori where uh he blew weight and then blew weight by 10 pounds and then blew it all the way to the next weight class. So (laughs) he ended up losing a miserable fight and a meaningless fight. And that was his entire 2021 was one miserable, meaningless fight against Vittori. He comes back, has a whole hell of a lot of fun fight against Rockhold, but part of you has to think that the Costa that had been on his way up to his title shot would have, Knocked out Rockhold 15 times. It's Costa, one of the hardest hitters and most willing hitters in the division against Rockhold, like the chiniest high-level fighter, maybe in, in uh UFC history. Like that, he kind of I don't know, I, I don't want to say carried Rockhold or played with his food, but playing with his food against Rockhold and carrying Rockhold just was not the best thing for him and didn't fight at all in 2023. Here he comes back. Like, it's shocking that the guy's only 32. It feels like he should be 36, like he should be washed. But he's 32 years, He's younger than Whitaker. Uh, having said all that, Costa was close to the title picture when Whitaker was champ. And I think if Costa and Whitaker had fought at any point in their respective UFC careers, Whitaker would have outclassed him badly. I don't have any reason to feel differently about that now unless – the DuPlessis loss is an indication that Whitaker's chin is starting to go. Uh, Costa at, at his best. I mean, he presents as a kickboxer, but he's pretty bread and butter. Like he punches really hard. He does have great kicks, kicks to all levels, especially the legs and body. His kicks are incredibly hard. They're fast. Uh, and he tends to set him up pretty well. I mean, he not always like he will, he will throw him naked sometimes, but uh, generally speaking, it's hard to counter Costa's kicks unless you're Adesanya. Just, I think Whitaker is too smart, too durable. And while Costa is like a huge chunk of muscle, he's not going to have ridiculous reach advantages on on Whitaker. Whitaker's wrestling used to be underrated. Now I think it's either it's, at best, underused. At worst, it's overrated now. But I still think if he wanted to, he could take Costa down. Um, I I just think Whitaker's probably going to slip a lot of Costa's haymakers. He probably will get tagged with a few kicks, but I just think he's going to box Costa up. Um, I, he's a better, more diverse striker. He has underrated power just because he's not a huge guy and he usually has to hit someone a lot of times to knock him out. But everything he throws stings, especially because it's, accurate and tends to hit people from un, uh, unexpected angles uh, Costa has generally been durable he's been in there with uh, some some hard hitters and except for Adesanya who just overwhelmed him, he's not been in a whole lot of trouble so I'm going to say this makes it to the final horn but I think Whitaker wins this one clearly and going away and uh, Adasanya will probably have some rude things to say about uh, how Costa's face looks at the end of it yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, weird, occur by, by one side decision. Yeah, what a weird that that, <laughs> well, that beef is still going on. after you, like It's you, still going,
0: going on and I just it will always stick in my mind that Adesanya said that Costa looked like Ricky Martin after all of his botched plastic surgeries. Yeah. And I know he's going to say something like that if Costa's face is all busted up after this fight, which I'm picking it to be.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Like you already won the battle. Like why you keep I don't know. Um
0: because he's the middleweight champ and the pettyweight champ. Yeah, like, he is they, petty. you, you get extra petty for him.
1: Then he like he wanted like a freaking elementary school kid, you know, when he beat, <laughs> when he beat uh, Alex uh, um Whitaker, you know, after the loss to is to Plessis, you know, we we asked his questions you know, and, and the recap show, you know, between the years of wars and the like slew of injuries he's had over the years, you have to ask if is if Whitaker is going to drastically fall off a cliff. And we're going to find out Saturday if he has you No, know, what we've seen recently of this guy. He's, he's, you know, he's a great striker, definitely more of a technical striker than a power puncher. Everything comes off that, that jab. He loves to double with the jab. He, he sets up his offense with a jab. Uh, he def- did he, I said before, he defends attacks by holding his ground with his jab. He he kind of does the same thing with overhand right. He'll just kind of wing at an opponent to keep them at bay. Uh, he tries to time his opponent's attacks coming in. A uh, good examples of this where he was very effective was Cannon Air and Vittori fights. Uh, you know, of his most recent fights where he's kind of beating them at the point of contact in their exchanges. He's sound defensively. He's a slip and rip guy who, you know, moves his head well but also keeps himself in range to counter uh that's why you know he's a legendary left hook is available because of that uh he's also good at like misdirection i've said this before like i love when he darts to the left and there's a high kick over the top of the right it's my favorite technique that he does uh because it doesn't look like it should work because he's, he's kind of like almost he looks like a little kid trying to do a cartwheel <laughs> <laughs> you know like a or like not like 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 a little fat kid <laughs> trying to do the cartwheel but um he, he lands so. Uh, I, I he also likes to do like be mean and kick the do the oblique kicks that John Jones likes doing. He generates power by having such a heavy boxing style on his front foot, uh, but of course that leaves him vulnerable to the light case himself. Uh, going all the way back to like the the first Romero fight, we saw that he he does lose power because he he'll lunge and kind of overextend sometimes. Uh, he's strong in the clinch, uh, with elbows and knees, even though he's always undersized compared to his opponent, his biggest weakness, which I've said in the past is his, like always trying to even the score when he gets blasted, To kind of chase the punch that might not be there. That's what kind of blasted by Israel Asanya in their, in their first fight. Uh, I like that recently he showed a willingness to wrestle more because he, that was kind of when he first burst on the UFC, that was a big, like, wow, he's a really underrated wrestler. And then he kind of abandoned it for a long time, and then he kind of went back to it again. He's got 12 takedowns the last six fights, which which just makes him more dangerous. Definitely, it just makes him more of a round winner. Uh, I mean, he did it against Adesanya in a second fight, made it a very close fight. Uh, incredible takedown defense. Uh, we saw that against Romero. Uh, which was so much more impressive with a no ACL. I mean, that was a long time ago, but still just point, point being anytime you get stuff takedowns with someone of, of that level. Uh, if he's on top, good top game, good run. Now, Paul Acosta, he's a boxer who who matches down his foe, cuts off the cage. When he has the opponent trapped against the cage, that's when he unloads like 10-punch combination. Uh, we saw that with your Romero. I always talk about like how absolutely fearless. Now, that, that was a long time ago so take it what's worth, but I just, that's when I saw him be absolutely fearless, just marching and getting the range with your Romero, which nobody does, and, and throw down and see if, who's standing last. Uh, he will eat a shot to land his own shot. He throws really hard. He has huge power. His left hook is definitely his best strike. Uh, he's got a good straight right, too, but I admit his left hook is probably his best one. You mentioned his 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 leg kicks. I mean, they're mean. They're hard. Now, he hardly ever wrestles, but to his credit, he did get a takedown against Marvin Vittori. He's got strong takedown defense and he's facing pretty good wrestlers. Uh, obviously, your Romero was a, you know, world champion. silver medalist, Johnny Hendricks, was a I think it was two, three times the only finals two-time champ. Uh, you know, those, those are guys you defend takedowns. So that's, that's good. Again, both those are a long time ago. Uh, he showed that despite being very like hulky built up guy, he can go hard all 15 minutes. Despite actually looking tired, But as he gets older, the weight cuts become even more, you know, extreme. The whole Marvin Vittori debacle, he's been out for so long. Uh, As he gets older, I'm becoming more and more worried about his cardio, which was one time actually a strength of his, which you wouldn't guess by somebody his his size. Uh, I think that might be a negative moving forward. And and that's if he even makes weight, which, you know, uh, having Marvin Vittori come up to 205 to fight you, Okay. You can't do that, Robert Whittaker. Like that, that's unfair. Robert Whitaker probably shouldn't be fighting on 185. So to me, there's a lot of questions to be asked about this fight. You said something, and I'm going to actually take a much different approach to Paul Acosta than you. You said that because Paul Acosta has been out and, and hasn't fought so much that we kind of forget how good he is or how good he has been. I'm taking the other approach. I'm saying maybe he wasn't as good as we give him credit for. I mean, you go through his resume of wins. I mean, he beat the ghost of Luke Rockhold. He beat Uriah Hall, which has always been and, historically
0: and in- again, Luke Rockhold like by 2022 like probably knocked himself out shaving.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he getting beat up by, beat a beat bad by 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 Perry, which actually was somehow is a good b enucker boxer, but I mean, I'm not surprised. He has a lot of tons of experience, but, uh, you know, he, he he beat a very inconsistent, always oh, been up and down Uriah Hall. He beat Johnny Hendricks, who was absolutely washed up, a, up weight classes and what he was in his prime. So, obviously, I left off the Uol, UOL Romero fight. I did that, like, strategically. And the reason why I asked that, that's the one fight that kind of gets everyone excited. It was a fight that was very close. Some people thought well, Romero won. I, I did. I thought Costa won. But I just wonder if it was just a once-in-a-lifetime moment. Was this like a little bit of his Busta Douglas overachieving moment? Now, I think Whitaker is better than Costa pretty much everywhere besides power. I really only see Costa having a puncher's chance. But the issue is with Whitaker, that puncher's chance multiplies if – if Whitaker has slowed down, if his chin is starting to fail him. That said, I still think Whitaker has some gas left in the tank. I say Whitaker jabs Costa up. I, you know, I'm I'm worried about the calf kicks of of Costa because of the thudding kicks, but I still think like Whitaker could kick him a lot too. Um kick a high kick. He he's got a, I he's got a huge wrestling advantage, in my opinion. Uh, though Costa is hard to take down, I just say Whitaker doesn't. You know, Whitaker doesn't really stop anybody, but I want to say that Costa. Like I thought, he looked terrible against Luke Rockhold, the guy that was. I mean, he looked even <laughs> Rockhold even worse. I say Costa hits a wall late, and I think Whitaker Whitaker put put it on him, and I'm gonna go with another. High kick, kick. I'm gonna. I just keep thinking about that high kick, and I'm gonna say, is gonna be breathing hard." You know, I think he's just gonna keep hitting him, hitting him, and then finally he's gonna throw a high kick. I'm gonna say, "What it can him out with third round high kick." We're gonna get like
0: a, like just exhausted. bent forward gets the Pete Williams on. Yeah, Williams, Williams, Williams. wrestling
1: shoe to the face. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Good call. Good reference. We're old school here, man. Yeah, we are. Old we always have to at least one show. Show in the old. What was that like? UFC 14, 15, something like that.
0: It was somewhere in there. Yeah. Like yeah. it was after 12 and it was before 15. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah.
1: It's
0: it dude. It's weird how well I know that stuff. Cause I'm like, well 15 is when Coleman brought Kerr out. I know it was before that. So like, yeah, like easy to yeah, know. To it was you.
1: much easier to remember because you'd had months in, 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 advance. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, like I think 12 was Coleman's debut. Well, and that was when the actual it.
0: heavyweight title he went it. from the super fight title to the heavyweight yeah. title. He beat he headlock
1: uh, Severn. That's how you win yeah. by a headlock. And Severn was pretty much like, "Oh fuck this, dude! This guy's a more decorated roster than me. He's got me in a headlock.
0: Like, he's ten like, years younger. And, yeah, he's ten years and, younger. And and he's, and he's not, not young paid. either.
1: Yeah, I'm not getting paid much. Get it. Like, yeah. like fuck it. Yeah. I don't want to fight out of a headlock right now.
0: <laughs> With that, we come to the main event of UFC 298. Five rounds for the undisputed featherweight title between defending champ Alexander Volkanovsky and undefeated challenger Ilya Taporia. Volkanovsky, the 35 year old Australian, is 26 and 3 overall. He's 13 and 2 in the UFC. He's 13 and 0 at featherweight. Uh, his only two losses in the UFC were in his two unsuccessful attempts to become a two division champ by unseating Islam Makachev. Uh, We could go on for a long time just about those two fights and the ridiculous amount of balls it took for him to take that fight once, let alone twice. But uh, his most recent fight was the second Makachev fight that was at UFC 294 last October. It was not nearly as close an affair as the first one as Volkanovski stepped up on short notice and got knocked out in the first round. Uh, Prior to that, uh, he had fought at UFC 290 in July, Thoroughly outclassing Yair Rodriguez to defend his featherweight title and his only other fight of 2023, almost exactly a year ago, was his first fight with Makachev, where he took the other top pound-for-pound fighter in the sport down to the wire in a fantastic five-round fight. So he'll be looking to reassert his dominance over his division, get back in the win column, and he'll be looking to turn aside Taporia, 27-year-old Spaniard uh, Georgian-born is a perfect 14-0 as a professional mixed martial artist. He is a perfect 6-0 in the UFC. He fought just once last year, uh, taking a one-sided unanimous decision over Josh Emmett in the headliner of UFC on ABC 5 in June. Uh, He steps in here, gets his title shot. He has been very vocal in the weeks leading up to this that he thinks he's better than Volkanovski, and he thinks he's so much better than the rest of the division that they will not even deserve a shot at his belt once he takes it. Make of that what you will, but uh, for whatever reason, the betters to have a certain amount of faith in him. As uh, Volkanovski, despite being at worst the second or third most dominant divisional champ in the UFC, is a dead even pick. Him here, both gentlemen available at minus one ten, even money. Keith, tell me why this fight is awesome. If as if I need any further explanation, and tell me who you think wins. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's pretty awesome because, I mean, when you think about the weight classes in the UFC, you know, you have, you know, I'm assuming women's featherweight is officially gone. That's, what, 11 weight classes? There's not a better matchup in any of them stylistically in any single weight class right now. There's not one, there's not one, there's guys who aren't, you know, Marab, for example, I think a lot of people would favor him over O'Malley or, or whatever. There's guys that are stylistically we got maybe Asmal, John Jones. That might be the only one that
0: Edwards Rachmanov, if that happens this year, will be yeah. like fantastic, but neither of those is this.
1: But look at the betting lines. You said that's <laughs> it's a pick on fight. It is that alone. I mean, that means when you have a pick on you know, I'm assuming usually Vegas is pretty good at at setting the line, which means if we have a hundred MMA fans I'm talking about hardcore, not talking about casual, because casuals always go with the bigger name. But for hardcore people, people watching this, 50% of the people who comment are gonna be like, Oh, yeah, good call. You guys had volkanowski or you guys had Taporia. That's the right call. And 50% will be like, No, man, you're wrong. I think you guys got a wrong read. You know, Volkanovski win or Topuria wins, whatever. You know, whoever we decide to pick, I love that. I love when we break down fights and I have no clue. No, no, I hate making that pick. Like, I hate putting my name out there as I think this guy's going to win. Uh, but I, I love sitting down and going, I don't know what's going to happen, and 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 see two guys. I mean, you got an all-timer in Alex Volkanovski, one of the greatest fighters ever. Oh, okay, consensus. <laughs> to me, he's 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 a top ten fighter in, in my opinion. Ever he gets this win, he gets this win. He really does have a strong argument for greatest featherweight. He really does. Um, but the, he wins this one. You gotta, I mean, I, I've I already have him above Habib. I really, I mean, I know people think that's blasphemy, but based on what he's accomplished, I have him now. Habib, to me, is the most dominant fighter I've ever seen. His prime was better than anybody's prime. The problem is yes. prime was too short. The problem is he retired early. That's what you get. He got a little Gale Sayers thing kind of going on. Um, this fight is so freaking good. It's so good. It's it's question. at
0: least at least Gail Sayers got injured. He's got a Barry Sanders thing.
1: Where, yeah, Barry's he, a little older than he thinks. So I I think Barry might have left a little. I think he he, he might have. Still, I I I might not I, No, I mean I'm not. Kidding. Barry could have stuck Barry around Sanders one Barry, more
0: year and retired yeah, as the all-time leading rusher yeah, and was yeah, like, yeah. I'm not even going to play for this dog shit team.
1: For yeah, one more year, much, I'm gone. Yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to. Ba- I'm not trying to bash Barry. I mean, Barry Sanders yeah. is freaking incredible. So I'm not trying to like. I don't know anybody who doesn't love Barry Sanders. Right now, all the Europeans are like, who? Who the hell are you talking about? Barry? That's the singer. <laughs> um <laughs> So let's let's get into the skill set. So Alex Bolkonowski, I've said this before, he doesn't if he's so good, but he doesn't get enough credit for how great of an athlete he is. Um he's he's short, stocky, fire, hydrant. So that we don't think of athlete. When we think of athlete, we think of, you know, tall, skinny, ripped up black yeah. guy like Uriah Hall. He, that's not him. He'd the complete opposite, but he's still a fantastic athlete. Incredible footwork, credible um de- you know attention to the small details constantly cutting angles constantly keeping his opponents guessing he changes stance mid combination moves laterally very well um changes up his rhythm he sets up his shots well with feints sets traps and and then picks up his opponent's timing uh steady output really never tires never stops um does yeah he's not fighting at rob's base but he's gonna set a very high output for the fight his, 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 his speed is, uh, is, is very well, uh, very fast, uh, good at landing, uh, shots and then slipping away from the counter before the, you know, the, their counter punch comes at him. Um, he's really good at it. He's also good at like, so one time he'll come, he'll, he, one thing he'll do is he'll, he'll attack And then get away from the counter and then the next time he'll tack slip the counter thinking you're thinking okay he's gonna get away again and then he comes back in for the third like just little things like that that he's that he knows like never having the same pattern uh against taller guys like how he was able to grab max holloway's hands and really eliminate that that reach and kind of had this like tug-of-war thing going and landing inside shots uh nice power stiff jab so much variety in striking I keep saying, I know. I, I in my notes, I think I wrote it down like 47 times. Just get, gets his opponent guessing. Never attacks with the same combination. Um, he he's the best at constantly making a an judgment and changing strategies, and then making an adjustment again and change the strategy. Uh, I was listening to Sean Sheehan interviewing Luke Thomas, and, and Luke Thomas kept pointing this thing out, like same kind of similar things I was saying. Like that's what he's the master, and he's that mastermind. Uh, works the body well, tons of kicks. One thing that people don't talk about that I, I think they do, he kicks to set up his punches. He'll kick, he'll move his opponent. Uh, I, I think it was, I think it was Yario Rejects, where he kicked him just to line up his right hand, you know, or line up his left hook. Uh, he's, yeah, which I, which I absolutely love.
0: I mean, that's a Conor McGregor thing, using your kick to, to like yeah. kind of herd people into your punches.
1: Yeah. Dan Henderson used to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, He's got good calf kicks. Uh, I mean, he he beat Max Holloway with calf kicks, and, and especially in the first fight, he will he'll throw like some flip kicks out there just to kind of keep his opponent guessing. Doesn't really do much, but just to kind of show him what will happen. Uh, he's, you know, one thing is he's never been a, the biggest puncher, but he did drop Machaev in their first fight. Underrated wrestler. I mean, he, he could still, you know, at his age, you wonder when he's going to fall off the cliff, his explosion, but he can explode through your hips, get to fight the ground. He'll also um go to just t- take down to win rounds. He showed against makhachev he can scramble. He's strong. He can just grab a leg and slam. Uh, he showed against makhachev how hard he's to hold down. I mean, Makashev takes guys down and just mauls them there. They don't get back out. The fight's over. That wasn't the case with Volkanovsky at least, you know, obviously in the first fight. Vukovic kept working. Uh, and when he's on top, he's good. Good control, good ground and pound. The issue is these are two big things. I'm worried about his chin after being knocked out from by Makachev, and then obviously time is not on his side. Even you constantly hear, you know, as you get older. I think it's like 33 is the magic number where guys' record in championship fights are extremely bad. As you go higher, 34 gets worse, 35 gets worse. So, you know, history says. That this should be Taporia's fight. Taporia, dude, this freaking guy is good, man. And and what I love about him is he knows he's good. He has this unwavering com- confidence. I mean, you 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 listen to these interviews, and, and it's only going to build up this week. Uh, DC was talking about it uh, on the commentary. He's talking like he already won, <laughs> like that, you know. And and he he might he might be
0: delusional. Like if Volkanovski trashes yeah, him on sure. Saturday, it turns out he was delusional, but. He's not saying it for effect. When when Colby Covington says, I know I'm still the best Walter White in MMA, he doesn't believe that. He's saying something to stay in the headlines. Tapuria, his self-belief is bulletproof. Yeah.
1: Like yeah, Might it, be right, might
0: be wrong, but he's not playing.
1: It's it's I've said it before. It's more like a Conor McGregor, Jose Aldo thing where, you know, there was a lot of people taking Conor, obviously. But, like, the way he was talking to Jose Aldo, like, man, this guy's on nine straight title defenses. Like, the way you're talking about this guy, like, he's going to be skinny. Like, what is this guy talking about? And that's how Deporia acts. Like, he's disrespected an all timer. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're great. You were great, but this is different. It's it's changing the guard, you know? Um, it, it's it's a little bit of, yeah, you might be Michael Jordan, but I'm LeBron. And, but you're Michael Jordan from 98. It's 2024, man. Like, Michael Jordan's not walking to the gym and beating LeBron James in a one on one game right now. <laughs> you know, maybe LeBron, but not right now. Like, that's how he's talking. Without, mm-hmm. obviously, he's from, Georgia by way of Spain, he's not using those references, but you get my point. Yeah, uh, The dude's so well-rounded. He's a wrestle boxer who jumps in range, where he lands hard, hard, tight hooks. He's accurate. He loves his overhand right. He has serious power in both of his hands. Uh, I mean, J- Jai Harbaugh might still be knocked out. <laughs> um, <laughs> he He sets up his power shots by getting inside, working the body first, and then going over the top. Uh he did struggle with the with the size and the height early of Jai Herbert, but I mean that's that's not gonna be the case with Volkanowski. You now footwork, uh timing, things like that. But like reach, that's not gonna be an issue. Uh a lot of durability. I mean, he he was got he got tagged up a little bit by Jai Herbert, but never seemed to be faded, never worried, never uh hurt. He's a fantastic wrestler. Uh, he has a Greco-Roman background, so it's a little bit different. Let's get to the upper body, um hip control slide-bys. He suplexed Yusuf Zalal. He showed incredible takedown defense against Bryce Mitchell in their matchup. He's a BJJ black belt, looks to advance on the ground. He has a submission. I mean, he subbed Bryce Mitchell, which is really obviously impressive. Uh, aggressive to get the sub. He loves those head attacks, kind of the Dars chokes, the anaconas. Uh, he loves the top topside guillotine. He showed how elite of grappling is when he went against Ryan Hall and him on the ground and, and dispatch heavy ground and pound in that fight. Man, this fight is freaking good. We have done, I don't know how many previous shows we've done. And Vegas is right about the pick them, how hard it is. This might be the hardest pick in the history of the show. <laughs> At least the, you know, main event. Um... I tweeted, you know, that we talked about earlier, the, the whole tweet about Volkanovski, all the consensus. And again, I've God forbid, I thought MMA fans would know what I was talking about. I meant that consensus means unanimous. I got like 300 people comments and hating on me. Like I'm, I'm like a Volkanovski hater. It's like, dude, I am, I am the complete opposite. I'm like an of this guy. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he, he might be my favorite fighter ever. Like that's how much I like this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but time is not on his side. I mean, time is against Volkanovski. History is against Volkanovski. Then Duffy might be against Volkanovski, but I'm not against Volkanovski. Nobody can. Oh, uh, nobody can change a game I plan. thought you
0: were. I thought you were. You were. You were I, leaning the other way.
1: I, I, oh. man, man, I'm pretty good at this, brother. I've mean, <laughs> Nobody can change a game plan better than him. He said this, Levels, you, you may be physically better than Volkanovski. You might have skills better than Volkanovski. But there's, 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 there's fights going on beyond what we see. And nobody wins that mind thing. Now, that, that's a question mark because Volkanovski is talking about getting in his head. And this and I was always like, whoa, you have the complete opposite. But I'm talking about that strategy the mixing things up I think he gets to poor guessing and yeah like I said everything says that this guy should lose I I'm, I'm going with my dog I'm gonna say Volkowski wins by decision
0: i love the breakdown i love the moment of suspense there uh i mean you're we just got to do like the lee corso thing and you like pull the helmet like on you know uh, ESPN game day you pull the the helmet out of the the trunk i thought you'd like uh uh,
1: this is against him this is against him that is against him but i'm not yeah i thought you'd like like
0: i i'm not gonna elaborate too much on your breakdown of their relative skills you hit all the points that i would have hit better than I could have just going to point out that Volkanovski is short and stocky and he's given up reach and height to every single one of his UFC opponents with the possible exception of Chad Mendez. And I think even Mendez probably like had like a a, a little bit on him. It just doesn't matter. Uh, uh, Some of the people that would argue for Khabib to be ahead of him all the time they care about the zero and they care about that one early fight in Volkanovsky's career where he lost to a welterweight in the boxing ring in like his fourth fight. It's just completely irrelevant. He fought a lot of welterweights early on there. He has like two early career wins over Jai Bradney, who's a pretty good sized welterweight that was pretty good for a while. He he won an AFC title over Jamie Malarkey, who's in the UFC uh, as a lightweight right now. He's He's been smaller than everyone he's fought all along, and it just hasn't mattered. I, I said ahead of the first Makachev fight, and, and that one I, I picked Volkanovski to win, and I said there, there are plenty of great gyms in MMA. Like, it's an all-time great era for if you're a fighter with the means, you can find a team that will shore up your deficiencies, get you with, like, a coach that can communicate to you and make you the best fighter you can be. It's an all-time great era for that. But out of all of them, I don't know if there is a team I would like better than Joe Lopez and Eugene Behrman. Oh yeah. Okay, give me, give me, give me three months and an opponent with plenty of tape on him come up with a plan for me to beat that guy. I said it ahead of the Makachev fight, and you know what? I still felt good about that. After the Makachev fight, I said, you know what? Maybe that's as close as Alexander Volkanovsky can get to overcoming the overwhelming physical disadvantages he had against Makachev. Like, he put on a hell of a fight. My one of my favorite photos in the modern UFC era is of it's from that first fight where Makachev is on Volkanovsky's back, Volkanovsky's fighting the hands, and he's just grinning. Like, uh, here, Taporia is probably. He's probably the most dangerous challenger Volkanovski uh, has faced. Like he he brings, oh, he, he's the closest thing Volkanovski is going to face to a mirror match. A guy that is also short and compact, a stunningly better athlete than you would think. Super well-rounded, like at least good everywhere and great at most things like if we learn on Saturday that Teporia is just version 2.0 and it's time for the new era to start and the fact that Taporia is eight years younger is going to be the deciding factor, I won't be that shocked. You know, father time is still undefeated, but I still think volkanovski has got enough left to, to handle Teporia here. I, I'm with you. I, I think they're given the best minds in the game, to full camp, to work on Deporia, to scrutinize the tape, see his tendencies, see his strengths, see whatever tiny weaknesses that there are, and take advantage of it. Volkanovsky has an incredible basic skill set that throws a lot of people off, but then it feels like he brings out a new wrinkle every time. Like, he beat Max Holloway three times. Only one of them was super close, but he brought out different things to kind of give Holloway something to think about each time. Uh I think DePore is going to be surprised. It'll be the first time in his UFC run that he's really faced adversity. I mean, he has blown through the people the UFC's put in front of him. And it makes sense why he's so cocky because thus far, he's mostly been able to attack his opponents of whatever they think they do best and just clown them. Like, you can argue that not since John Jones have we really had that. Like, Khabib. When at people at Khabib's strength. And he's like, sure. you you know the takedown's coming. I know the takedown's yeah. coming. And if you can't stop it, there's going to be a rough night for you. Sure. Depori, it's more like the John Jones thing. Oh, you're a ground fighter? I'm going to put you on the ground. Completely laugh off all of your offense and just punch your your skull into the canvas, Ryan Hall. Same thing with you, Mitchell, only I'm actually going to tap you out yeah. after just manhandling you. uh, Like... It it just harks back to John Jones being like, "I bet I could take you down, Daniel." Yeah. We're just like, <laughs> "Oh, I'm just going to get in the leg kicking contest with Tiago Santos. Like that's yeah. what he does best. I'm just going to beat him at it for 25 minutes." Uh, I, I love his confidence. I still think he is the future of the division. Even if Volkanovski beats uh, him, even if Volkanovski trashes him, I'll yeah, take agree I, I I Yeah, I'll take the over the field, as he will be champ sometime in the next five years.
1: Yeah, I agree. But not just because I, mean, I mean how long much longer is Volkanovsky to do this regardless.
0: Yeah. I mean Volkanovsky like it wouldn't be off the chart shocking if, if he wins if for instance like retire in the cage. He's 35 years old.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh absolutely. Well, uh
0: but yeah, give me Taporia over the field to wear a UFC belt at some point in the next five years, but I don't think it's Saturday either. Uh I think we get just a heroic performance out of volkanovsky Uh Taporia has been in one five-round fight, and it was against a guy in Emmett that he was beating pretty handily and didn't really make the cardio an issue. Like, lots of fighters have enough cardio to go five rounds if they're dictating the pace and they're outmatching their opponent. I don't think Tapuri is going to like what the fourth and fifth rounds of this fight feel like. Um, Give me Volkanovski by decision. I think he wins pulling away. I could see him being in some trouble early. Tupuri I'm sure he can clock Volkanovsky and hurt him. I believe he can probably take Volkanovsky down. And if he takes him down, it's gonna be rough. Like Teporia is faster and more dynamic on the ground than Makachev. Like Makachev took Volkanovsky down and he tried to make like a python eating a goat. I'm gonna secure the position. I'm gonna get one hook in, get two hooks in, start punch. Like it's a very deliberate ground game from the Dagestani guys. Tapuri is more fast and furious. Like he'll be punching at Volkanovski trying to grab his neck in transition. Uh, I could see Volkanovski losing one of the first two rounds. I could see him losing both of the first two rounds, even if he's down two rounds to none, unless he's badly rocked or bleeding. I still like him to win this fight. Uh, Vintage performance from Alexander Volkanovski. I got him by decision as well.
1: Yeah. The only thing I don't like about Volkanovski is the, your boy does not know how to dress. <laughs> like the dude, dude dresses like a 13-year-old like boy who just discovered rap music. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he can't get cool clothes in the size. Like it's yeah, it's, this shirt is like down to his like <laughs> like his knees and shit. Like, what are you doing? Dude? You're 35. Dress like a 35-year-old. Come on.
0: No, <laughs> uh, but maybe it's like just a 90s rap thing where you'd see like easy, and he's just got this coat that literally comes down to his knees because he was like a little five foot six guy, too. Oh my goodness. That's too funny. Uh, and you'd think being a teammate of like Adesanya, he could get some sharp clothes on him.
1: But, uh. No, but he's trying to get yeah. in like eight mile too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is it. The Sherdog Radio Network preview for UFC 298, Volkanovsky versus Teporia. I have been Ben. He has been Keith. If this is your first time watching or listening to one of our previews, first of all, thank you. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we do our best to bring you as good a mix of in-depth analysis and occasional silly side tangents as you'll find anywhere in this industry. Please do like, uh, subscribe, drop us a comment. Keith and I uh, both man the comment section. We'd love to hear your take on these fights. If you think we're out of our gourds on any of these picks, you know we have at least one unanimous upset pick here. Let us know if you're right and we're wrong. We will give you all the credit. Uh, on the recap. And you should join us for the recap as well. We will be live on the Sherdog YouTube page about 10 minutes after the main event. Keith will take the captain's chair. We'll talk about all 12 of these fights in reverse order from the absolutely sensational uh, main event all the way down to the not that bad uh, first couple of fights. We will talk about what was good, what was bad, what was surprising, what was controversial. There's always something We will talk about what's next for some of the notable winners as well as losers, and we will talk with you. The live chat is open that whole time, so we're taking your questions, your comments, and your hot takes in real time. We have a growing community of friends that hang out with us after the fights, and we would love for you to be part of it. Between now and then, thank you once again for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week, and by all means, enjoy these fights.